leftovers, or the DMV, or house cleaning, or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We're prohibited by law. T plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details. From the era that brought you names like Chamberlain, Russell, and West. To Chamberlain, he's got it! Jerry West made it from the other side of the mid-court strike! To the glory days of Magic and Kareem. Abdul-Jabbar is on the brink of an NBA all-time record. From a time where last-second shots were expected. Here comes Kobe. From way outside. Got it! Oh, man! Gets it to LeBron. For three for the win! Yes! LeBron James! And rings were handed out like candy. Here's Jordan! It's Duncan Dynasty with your host, Garrett Bougay, and it starts right now. Welcome to another episode of Duncan Dynasty. I'm your host, Garrett Bougay, and we are officially in season three of the show. Thanks to all of you for listening over the years, and uh, for the opening episode of season three, I've got a very special guest. He's a fellow Sports Business Classroom alum, Jerry Cristo Delados. Jerry, thanks so much for coming on. Hey, how's it going, Garrett? And uh, as you mentioned, season three, uh, my third appearance, so very fortuitous start, I think. Yes, uh, I'm doing well. Uh, how about you? How, how's your summer going? It's been good, man. A lot of relaxing, ready to get back into, uh, into the grind and into the NBA grind as well. Yes, uh, the uh, the topic for uh, for this opening episode, we're going to be breaking down our over-under predictions for the 2019-20 NBA season, and as you said, this was a perfect way to sort of prepare and uh, get ourselves up to date on our thoughts and uh, how we feel about these teams prior to getting to see them in any sort of preseason action, but we are uh, less than a month away from, uh, from all that getting started. Yeah, it really sinks up on you, man. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just a few weeks until, what is it, two weeks until, uh, like, pressers begin and stuff, and then, you know, a month until games. Yeah, and uh, the World Cup has uh, has kept things uh, interesting this summer as well, And uh, but yeah, I'm, I'm very excited for the NBA season to get, uh, get going again. Uh, so what we're going to do, we're going to use the Westgate current odds, which are, uh, are based in, in Vegas and, and, and use their, uh, their over-under numbers to, to make our predictions. And then we're also going to not only choose whether we uh, are, are going over or under on each of the 30 teams, but then we're also going to decide if we're going to fade or play. Fade meaning we're a little bit more hesitant on the pick. We, uh, we feel like it could go either way. Uh, and then play, meaning that uh, we're very confident, uh, and we would suggest, uh, if you're listening in, that uh, that you go and bet on that. 
So, uh, Jerry, uh, without further ado, let's get started with the Charlotte Hornets. They are at the bottom of the uh, the Westgate uh, over-under projections at 23.5 projected wins. Uh, this is a team that won 39 games last year. Uh, they've got, uh, you know, the, they were a team that consistently underperformed their point differential. Uh, the, the downgrade from Kemba Walker to uh, to Terry Rozier is uh, is a significant one, but uh, how do you feel about the uh, the Hornets this year? So I don't really like this roster at all. Um, I don't think that they're going to be very good. But with the the real question that you're asking, because I mean, like the big the big move, like you said, was swapping Kemba for Scary Terry. Is he worth 15 wins? I don't know. Uh, to me, this is probably a slight over. Like, 23 is pretty low. And I, even though I don't like the, the roster, I think that they should be a little better than that. Like, I think they have enough guys to, to, scrounge, to scrounge 24 wins. Um, Batum, Rozier, I don't really like at all. And he's probably, like, one of the most overpaid players in the league at this point. Um but they were 11th, I think, on offense last year. I mean, if that drops even to 20th, I think that they should be okay. I don't know. What are you thinking? Yeah, I've got them over, but uh, I'm not super confident. It's an overfade for me. Um, you know, I'm, I'm, I actually could be talked into an overplay here uh, because I, I still think they just have enough quality rotation pieces. You look at guys like Cody Zeller, Marvin Williams, Nicholas Batum, even Miles Bridges I liked as a rookie, and I liked what I saw out of him in, in summer league. Uh, and, and Rogier, you know, I, I get that he's he's definitely a, a, a significantly worse player than, than Kemba Walker, but, you know, um, I, I think he is a, is a lower-end starting caliber point guard. Uh, so... This is a team that I think could very easily be like the 23rd offense and the 23rd defense, but I think that gets you over 23 wins. Yeah, yeah, this is a team, like like I said, I'm not excited about them at all. And, you know, I think this is an overfade for me. It would just be such a bummer to, like, actually in real life bet on this team and have to root for them to try to win 24 games. But <laughs> I think that they're going to manage to do it. Yeah, uh, and they're they're gonna probably give some uh, give some youngsters some opportunities. But yeah, I think even with like a guy like Michael Kidd Gilchrist, he's at least gonna come out there and just play solid defense for you. Uh, they they to me they they've got enough and and uh, there's part of me that wants to play the over uh, the overplay here uh, because this this number is comically low. Like I I like this team a lot better than I like the Cavs at least for this upcoming season. Uh, and, and their number is below the Cavs, but um, but yeah, it is it is tough. And yeah, that would be uh, that would definitely. I feel like if I bet on that, I would be sweating watching the, those games. Yeah, no fun, no fun for sure. The next team, the the Cleveland Cavaliers, at twenty four wins. What's your thoughts on the uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers? So, the Cavs coming in this year, not a lot of roster changes. They have the additions in the draft with. Uh, there is Garland and Dylan Windler. Um, had one of the all-time worst defenses last year. 30th in defensive rating. Negative 9.6 point differential. Um, definitely causes for concern. 
Kevin Love missed, I think, uh, all but 20-something games last year, 21, 22. So there's that as a kind of mitigating factor. They won 19 games. I'm thinking that they're going to be... I'm thinking they're going to go slightly under. I'm not super confident. I could see them winning more, but uh, the defense is just so bad. I don't know how they're really going to improve. And if you're that bad, um, I think 24 or less is reasonable. Yeah, I mean, a lot of it depends on the health of Kevin Love. You mentioned it last year. He was out for most of the season. But, you know, given his track record, he misses a, a significant chunk of games every season. So I'm, I'm anticipating that and, and putting that into my projection as well. I'm, uh, I'm under on the Cavs. As you mentioned, the defense is horrid. They're going to be starting a, a rookie point guard. And even though I'm really optimistic about the potential of Darius Garland, uh, rookie point guards generally don't help NBA offenses succeed, uh, so I am not really confident on either side of the floor. Uh, Colin Sexton improved as, as the year went on last year, but he's still just in his second year, still uh, will will have some growing pains. Uh, this, uh, this is an underplay for me. I, I have the Cavs at around 20 wins and being likely the worst team in the league. Yeah, yeah. You know what? You've, you've convinced me. At first, I wasn't super confident, but especially with the young point guards, you know, we see it all the time. It it takes them a few years to really to really develop into, you know, uh, positive contributors for NBA teams. Um, and then beyond that, we don't really know uh, who's going to be on the team in terms of these veterans, right? Love, I don't think, is going to be tradable. But again, always an injury concern. Thompson, you never know might be off the team later on. So I, I think I think this is probably a safe under as well. Yeah, and those those two other first-round picks beyond Garland uh, with uh, Dylan Windler and Kevin Porter Jr., again, putting two guy, two more rookies out there on the floor, you got to imagine they're going to get some minutes. The Cavs need high draft picks, and uh, the, the best way to do that is to have one of the worst records in the league, even with the uh, the updated lottery odds. So uh, we're, we're both on the same page there. Let's move on to the, uh, the Washington Wizards, and their over-under is set at 26.5 games. And this one's a tough one for me because I feel like this is very much predicated on not only Bradley Beal staying healthy, but Bradley Beal staying on the roster. Yeah, this, that was exactly my thought. So when I first saw the line, I was like, damn, this is probably way too low. And then my, my next thought was, okay, wait, I mean, Beal is probably going to get traded at some point during the year and then I, if you look at the rest of the roster it's pretty I mean it's pretty horrid like who is their second best player I mean Wall is going to miss what the whole season um, and then you've got a mix of Isaiah Thomas in the backcourt uh, CJ Miles Bertans Thomas Bryant uh, that kind of mix you know so I don't know. I think uh, I think this is going to be an under for me, and I'm I'm just gonna I'm just gonna assume that uh, you know they'll see the light and trade Bradley Bill at some point. So, uh, how confident are you in this? Is that an underplay or an underfade? No, this is definitely a fade for me because if if they don't trade Bill and he plays the full year, I think they're probably going to go over. Um, so yeah, it's a it's a fade for me. Yep, I'm, I'm on the exact same page. Yeah, I think if Bradley Beal uh, plays 70-plus games for Washington and has you know, even a similar season to what he did last year where he's an all-NBA 
uh, or approaching an all-NBA level player, uh, yeah, you could see him alone getting them into the high 20s and wins. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the concerns over not only him being the only real quality player on this roster, but then also, yes, that uh, the Wizards aren't really going anywhere. And, yes, I think there are a lot of teams that have expressed interest in in acquiring Bradley Beal via trade. Yeah, I'm going to go under and fade as well. I have them projected at 25 wins, so a little bit under that 26.5. Moving on now to uh, to the New York Knicks. Uh, they uh, are set at 27.5, and this one was tough for me because they certainly they certainly added a lot of talent on this roster. You know, the the likes of Julius Randle, Taj Gibson, Marcus Morris, Wayne Ellington, Reggie Bullock. You know, those are all quality NBA rotation pieces. But it's still, uh, you know, the roster fit is a little bit confusing, and I don't know if they're going to be good on either side of the ball. Yeah, this team to me is just a, a mishmash. Uh, and beyond that, I mean, like you said, we have the fit issues, a lot of just crowding in the front court. I think too many guys to play, and a lot of overlap in terms of what they can do. Um, and then I, I just don't really think that they have any decent shooters on this team. Like beyond Wayne Ellington, is there anyone that's going to be able to convert from the outside on a consistent basis? Bullock, I think, uh, is is another one. But but yeah, I, I, I definitely agree yeah, with your point. Yeah, I'm not super confident in him, though. Uh, I, I just, I don't see them improving the offense that much, and they were, I think, the worst team last year. Um, and then defensively, they're relying on a lot of guys that are pretty suspect. So I can see them being bottom five in both uh, offense and defense, and at that point, um, that's you've got the recipe for one of the worst teams in the league. So I, I don't know. I think for the Knicks, just always take the under. Yeah, <laughs> that's what we learned all these years, right? <laughs> yep. Uh, I uh, I do share your concerns. Uh, yeah, they they seem to have signed about four power forwards this off season. It's a little bit confusing. Even Marcus Morris, their late acquisition after him uh, abandoning the the Spurs deal. Uh, you know, even he, I think, is best at the four spot. So they've got way too many guys there. Uh, and, uh, and yeah, there's just, there's not a single guy where I go, okay, when, when the game is on the line, you want the ball in this guy's hands. Uh, you know, they don't have super steady point guard play either. Uh, they're they're going to be playing youngsters in the backcourt. So, and, and, you know, R.J. Barrett as well is going to get heavy minutes as a rookie. And, again, I... I don't particularly think he's going to be super productive as a rookie, even for the people that, you know, feel like he's going to become a good player. I doubt most of them feel that'll happen in year one. Yeah, a a quick aside on him, I guess. What are your thoughts on him in general? You know, because I I don't know. I don't watch watch that much college outside of Villanova, so I didn't really watch Duke that much other than a few, I don't know, major games that they played. What do you think about Barrett in the future? Does he have any star potential, or is he going to be, are the Knicks going to be again very just disheartened and trade away another guy uh, before he even signs a second deal? Yeah, I, you know, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I don't watch a lot of college basketball, but I did do a little study uh, on on Barrett, and uh, I, I obviously listened to quite a few pods with uh, with other people that I respect their opinion on on their thoughts on him and. The main takeaway for me was he, he led the NCAA in charges last year, which is, is to me, a pretty big indicator that he doesn't get that elite separation. And he's got a similar size and body type to, like, a DeMar DeRozan, so it wouldn't shock me if he 
you know, becomes a pretty consistent 20 points per game scorer. But like DeRozan, I don't know how much that's actually going to impact winning. And again, I think the the Knicks are a team that will benefit would benefit from from getting a another really high pick in the draft and and adding to the talent that they they already have there. Again, I don't think they have that one guy. Uh, again, because I'm a little more pessimistic about Barrett's star potential, I don't think they have that franchise guy to build around. So, getting another high pick, I think, would be in their best interest. So, yeah, I'm I'm going the under. I'm going to do a fade though because I do. I do respect the fact that they, they brought in quality NBA rotation pieces and, and they're going to be able to throw out lineups that, uh, that are at least competent out there. But uh, I, I still have them projected at around 26, 27 wins under that 27.5. I'm playing this one. Oh, okay. I'm going against the Knicks. All right. So, yeah, you have them probably low 20s or, or in that Cavs territory. I think they're going to be pretty bad, yeah. Interesting. All right. Well, yeah, more misery for New York's New York Knicks fans uh, once again. But uh, moving on now to the uh, to the Memphis Grizzlies, they're uh, they're sitting at uh, Westgate's projection for them is twenty seven point five, and uh, they're another team that uh, uh, it's an interesting situation because you look at Jonas Valanciunas, you look at Jaron Jackson Jr. They've got a quality front court. Uh, but they're going to be playing another uh, rookie point guard in the same way the Cavs are going to be playing Garland. The uh, the Grizzlies are going to be playing Morant a ton of minutes at the point. Uh, and again, this is another team that I think will benefit from from getting uh, you know a, another high pick. And and this case is especially tricky because they have a top six protected pick that they yes, owe to Boston. Yes. This is exactly what I was going to bring up. I think uh, you know one through six protected. I think they probably are going to just try to keep that this year. And they have a few vets like Iggy, Crowder, those type of guys, maybe even Solomon Hill, that other teams might want to take a shot on contenders later in the year. So I'm not sure how similar the starting roster is going to be to what we see in April, for example. And maybe by that point they're just you know, selling off some guys and um, trying to push their way down the standings to get uh, to secure one of the top picks. Yeah, and again, with the revised lottery odds, if you want to ensure that you're in the top six selections, you've got to be at one or two at the bottom to because exactly. four teams exactly. can jump you. And we saw that last year where I think Cleveland went from uh, projected, I think, the, the, the first pick all the way down to five, and then uh, you saw Phoenix go from two to six. Uh, so... It, it is very possible, even if you're in that four to six range, that you that, that, that they'll have to surrender that pick. So it gives them even more uh, incentive to to really get down there in the standings. But uh, but I do respect the fact that they've got some talent on this roster. Uh, I've got them I've got them going under, but uh, I have it as a fade. I project them at uh, at twenty six. Yeah, I've got them under fade as well. I like their young guys. I mean, Morant, Jaron Jackson. Uh, and then, I mean, we'll see. We'll see about Clark. He's had a lot of good buzz. Summer uh, league MVP. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, you think why not try to get one more guy, and then also taking a flyer on a guy like Josh Jackson, who is in a, a weird situation. I don't 
think we can expect that much of him, but uh, you never know. You never know. Take a shot. Yeah, so let's move on now to the to the Phoenix Suns. The Suns are projected at 29.5 wins, which would be uh, essentially 10.5 more than they, they got last season. But, you know, they, they certainly made some, some interesting moves in the offseason. Uh, what are your thoughts on, uh, on Phoenix? Yeah, so uh, just some stats from last year. Um, I mean, like you said, they were one of the worst teams. The 19 wins, that was, I think, the second worst record tied with Cleveland um, and right above the Knicks. Minus 9.6 point differential, 28th in offense, 29th in defense. So if you're going to get to 30-ish wins, you're going to have to bump those up probably closer to 20th and 20th, I would think. Yeah. Somewhere around there. And I'm not sure if I see it. I mean, the sort of the GM situation has been kind of in turmoil. Monty Williams at the helm is uh, just a well-respected guy, but not necessarily the, I don't know, the coach that you're the most confident in. Um I think I think this is an under for me. I just don't see them making that huge of a leap because then you're just betting on Aiton getting substantially better on defense, for example, um, or just the, the team in general. I don't know. I, I'm not super confident. I'm not super confident. I think that they're. Uh, I think that they're an under, despite let's, the additions. Despite the additions. Yeah, let's let's see how confident you are in in that under. Is it a is it a play or a fade? Yeah, so I think uh, I think I'm probably gonna play this. I mean, they added so they added Baines, Kaminsky, Jerome through the draft. They reached for Cam Johnson, according to a lot of the draft experts. Yep. Ubre, I'm okay with. Um, Bridges, Villanova, alum, I have a lot of respect for, and then Sarich. I'm not sure. I'm not sure. He's had it. He has his. You know, he has his, his stretches where he's good, and then. Times where you get really frustrated watching him. This is more for me a pick against I think Aiton, you know, improving on defense. I like Rubio. They probably overpaid for him, but I don't think he's going to be that much of a difference maker for them. Yeah, this this is a this was a tough one for me because, uh, you know, and I don't want to come off as if I thought they had a good off season. I thought it was was pretty horrible to be honest. Uh, I thought the. The uh, the trading down from six and then taking Cam Johnson was was a terrible move. Even though, you know, Cam Johnson I think will provide NBA quality level three point shooting. You, like he was projected by most people as the best shooter in the draft, but he just doesn't do much beyond that. And uh, taking a guy that high that really is just so one dimensional isn't uh, isn't that great of a selection if you ask me. But. Um, you know, despite the fact that I didn't think they had a good offseason, it was mostly because I thought they didn't really help themselves as far as building towards the playoffs and, and, and a championship-level team in the future. I think they definitely improved, though, in the short term. You know, Rubio is, is, a, is a professional point guard. Aaron Baines is one of the best backup centers in the league. Uh, you know, you you mentioned you weren't, you're not super high on Sarge. I'm not either, but I think as... Uh, um, you know, maybe they'll start him, but I think he's probably better in a reserve role. I think he's a quality backup four. Uh, so they they got enough, uh, you know, they, they helped their rotation enough in, in free agency. And then, you know, they, they've got enough youngsters in, in Booker, in Aiton, in Mikel Bridges, 
in uh, in Ubre that uh, that are all going to improve or are likely to improve. So I like them to be a lot better, but yeah, expecting them to be essentially 11 wins better is a bit much for me. I've got them uh, right under that at 28 or 29 wins. I've got it as an underfade. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I agree with, with your assessment. Like, I think they're going to be better. It's just that's, you know, that's a lot of wins. That's a lot of wins. <laughs> yeah. All right, so uh, so far we're pretty much on the same page. We've, uh, I think, we've agreed on everything except uh, you were a little more confident on the on the Knicks than I was on the Knicks under. But um, the uh, the next one is uh, is is an interesting one to me. It's the the Oklahoma City Thunder. The Westgate projection is thirty one point five, and uh, this one to me was one of the most obvious plays on the board. I've got this as an overplay pretty easily. I have this as over as well, and I think I'm going to play it because, like, just the talent on this roster, I think, is good enough to win 32 games. Like, CP, even if he misses his standard amount of, you know, a bunch of games. (laughs) Um, SGA, Adams, Gallinari, right? Like, just that core, I think, is solid. Um now, if you're going to bet the under, I think you're just betting on CP3, Adams, Gallinari, one of those guys getting traded. Um, and I'm I'm not sure. I mean, the only one that seems to be maybe tradable is Gallo, because I think he's expiring. Um, but I think if they just keep this roster intact for the most part, like this is going to be a 32-win team. Yeah, you you hit my exact point in terms of the downside. The downside is injuries or trades with this group because, yeah, I think a starting lineup of of CP3, Gilgis Alexander, either Terrence Ferguson or Andre Robertson, Gallinari, and Adams, it's got to be one of the top 15 or 20 starting lineups in the NBA. Um, Solid defense. Yeah, they're going to be good defensively. Um, You know, Chris Paul is, uh, you know, despite having an off year last year, I still think he's got something left in the tank. And even as you said, if he gets hurt, they've still got Schroeder and Gilgis Alexander to take the reins and take those minutes at point guard. So it's not as if they're going to be totally lacking from a creation standpoint if CP3 misses games. Uh, so, so yeah, I really like this group. And even off the bench, you know, you look at Nerlens Noel, uh, you know, a, a decent backup center, especially defensively. Um, you know, whoever doesn't start at the small forward position, whether that's Robertson or Ferguson. And then uh, Hamadou Diallo as well is a, is a guy that I like. Uh, they're athletic. They're still long. Uh, they're going to be good defensively, and I think they're going to be just good enough offensively to get into that mid to high 30s. Yeah, agreed. Agreed. Um, so, yeah, do you have this as a, as a fade or a play? Uh, I, have this as, I have this as a play. Okay. Um, because I just don't, like, I would have... If CP3 seemed more tradable, I would have it probably as a fade. But I just don't think that they're going to be able to offload him. So he's there, uh, and this roster is about the same as what we're looking at now. I like it to play, yeah. Well, yeah, and the the other thing I forgot to mention is you're talking about a potential CP3 or Gallo or Steven Adams trade. They're all making between 20 and about $38 million. So in any of those trades... The, the Thunder are going to get players back. Now, there's yeah, there's sure. a, a possibility that they could get nothing but but scrubs, but in most cases, if you're getting that much money in return, you're going to get guys that can at least play a little bit. So, 
Um, that's another thing that I think uh, makes me pretty optimistic is even in the event of a trade, I think they're going to still get some, some players that can, that can produce a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, so we're both, we're both in the overplay for the Thunder. All right, let's, uh, let's move on to the Chicago Bulls, who are projected at 33.5 wins by Westgate. And uh, similar to the Thunder, this one was a, a very obvious over for me. I've got this as an overplay. How about you? Yeah, I had this as uh, overfade. Um, you know, it's funny because a few... A few uh, Teams after I was saying that ten wins would be a huge jump for the Sun, this would be like a what a twelve or thirteen win jump for the Bulls. But I like this roster a lot better. Like a lot of their guys missed a ton of games last year too, and so assuming a little bit better health, um, like Markinen played fifty two, Carter played forty four, and they added um, you know Porter will have for the full year and Fatty Young as well. So I, I just I just like the construction of the team. I think they'll be pretty solid for the most part. Yeah, Sadoransky will solidify the, the, the point guard position. The perpetually, uh, you know, terrible point guard position of the Chicago Bulls. Yeah, they have some guys to throw it now. Yes, and, uh, you know, Otto Porter played just 27 games for the Bulls last year, but they played at a, at a 30-win pace in, in those games. They were 10-17. and 17. Again, the, the free agent additions you mentioned uh, getting a little bit better, uh, you know, injury fortune. And then also, you know, the guys like Lowry Marketing, Wendell Carter Jr., and uh, and even Zach Levine, I imagine, will, will uh, you know, are, are at a young enough age where they're still going to be improving. Yeah, yeah. I mean, was it last year? Jeez, was it last year that they were going to, that they'd signed Parker? Or was that two years ago? Uh, that was... Oh boy, man! It it feels like two years ago, but maybe it was last year. Yeah, I I, I don't remember, but I was thinking like if, if it was last year that they had Parker, I, I just feel like so much better about this version of the team. Than that <laughs> version. But but maybe it was two years ago. It's all blending together. Yeah, Parker <laughs> is essentially the the new age Carmelo Anthony. Is you you want him as far away from your roster as possible and if geez. you want to win games. But uh, yeah, the uh, the Bulls, I I really like them. I've got them projected for for thirty eight wins. I think they're going to be competing uh, in the East for a playoff spot. Again, you know, you talk about teams that can throw out lineups that are good on on uh, one end of the floor. You know, they can put out a lineup of uh, Wendell Carter Jr., Thaddeus Young, Otto Porter. Uh, Chris Dunn and Sadoransky that is really darn good defensively. They, they can put out lineups with, uh, you know, uh, a Zach Levine and Lowry Marketin and, and Otto Porter and, and a couple others that could be really solid and, and, and uh, dangerous offensively. So they've got enough versatility on this roster that I think uh, they're going to be decent on. And, and again, if you talk about a team with 38 wins, like if they can just get to league average on both ends of the floor, which I think is very much a possibility, that would get them there. Yes, yes. 34, I like it. Over 33.5, I like The next team, uh, and this one's uh, one in the Western Conference, uh, the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Westgate projection has them at 35.5 wins. Uh, this was one of the tougher ones for me because obviously they've got a top 15 player in Carl Anthony Towns, one of the best offensive players in the league, and it seems like they're finally committed to building an offense and a roster around him. Um, 
but at the same time, you know, this team's very reliant on Carl Anthony Towns and the likes of Robert Covington staying healthy, and uh, the roster doesn't have much shooting. No, and, I mean, Teague is still the starting point guard, right? Not the most exciting thing of all time. Uh, Napier as a backup, okay. Uh, and I'm not super thrilled about their wing guys other than Covington, right? I mean, who do they have? They have a Koji, Culver, Jake Lehman, and... Uh, Travion and Graham. Wiggins. Oh, Graham as well, of course. And, and Wiggins. Uh, and Wiggins. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, I was, I mean, 35 and a half feels like a pretty low number when you have a guy as good as Towns on the team. And they have a lot of the drama of last year behind them, too. Like, the issues with Butler, Tibbs, they have Saunders, you know, they're more settled than they were before. Um, but the West is going to be tough. Um, and I don't know, like, they're, they were, what were they in defense last year? 20, they definitely weren't above 20. Right, they were 20-something. They had a good run when uh, right post-Butler trade, when they had Covington healthy, uh, they went on a pretty decent run on the defensive end of the floor, but then he got hurt and it went all downhill. Yeah, I'm going to go a slight under on this one. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to underfade this. Um, I mean, I love Towns, but as long as... As long as like Wiggins is, is a guy that they're relying on hugely, I'm just not confident in this team. I don't know. I know that's messed up to say, but it's the truth. Yeah, and and I think the the loss of Derrick Rose. You know, I think Rose had a a, a really good season last year. Uh, he was a big yeah big reason why they were able to get up uh, to near top ten in the league in offense. I could see that dropping a little bit, even if Towns goes crazy. Uh, and and yeah, they finished 24th last season in defense. So, yeah, I, I'm right there with you. I have it as an underfade. I've got them, uh, the Westgate at 35.5. I have them at 35 wins. Uh, so I, I think this line is, is pretty accurate. I would, not, I would stay away from this bet. Uh, but sure. uh, yeah, I'm, not, I'm not, not super confident. It's a tough hit, but I, I, think, uh, I think a little under. Because, yeah. yeah, you know, if, if Covington stays healthy, it wouldn't shock me if he uh, – you know, and, and Towns had uh, made strides defensively last year as well. You know, it wouldn't shock me if they're a top twenty defense next year, and maybe Towns just has this MVP caliber season that uh, he's capable of, and propels them and, and gets them close to the playoffs. You know, if they won forty one games, that wouldn't shock me. Yeah, uh, me neither. Me neither. I mean, I, I just I, I wouldn't want to bet on it. <laughs> right, right. So, uh, yeah, we're, we're in agreement there, under fade for both of us. The next one up is uh, the Atlanta Hawks. Westgate has them at 36 wins. This is another play for me. I've got this as an under play. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Hawks? I have them as a slight under, actually. Um, 36, that's seven more wins uh, than last year. Uh, wait, 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 was, sorry, it would be... I think eight more wins than last year. No, I think that's uh, right. They had twenty, or, or yeah, they they had twenty nine wins last year. So for them to get over the thirty six, yeah, they would have to have eight more. But they also were only uh, based on their point differential. They had twenty seven expected wins. Yeah. So I like. I mean, I like Young a lot. He he showed a lot last year. Of course, um, they were just quick look at the stats here. They were twenty third in offense. 
28th in defense. And just in terms of their acquisitions, I don't really know if anyone they added is going to make a huge difference in either of those categories. So what you're probably betting on is uh, improvement from Young and Collins. They're two sort of you know major guys. Uh, I think I think 36 is a little too high for them, um, especially if, if anything happens to Young at all. Like I don't even who's their who's their backup point guard. I really I don't even have a clue. Evan Turner. Uh, okay. Yeah. So I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go slide under on this one. Um, yeah. Yeah, the, uh, the the concerns for me, one being they lost Dwayne Dedman, who I thought was a, was a pretty critical piece to their, their team. You know, e- even though they, they finished 27th in defense, that's still, uh, you know, significantly better than Cleveland in 30th, and, and Dedman was a big part of that. He's a solid defensive center, and losing him and not really replacing him, I think, is a pretty big deal. Um, and... You know they're they're going to be playing two rookie wings, pretty big minutes in in DeAndre Hunter and Cam Reddish, uh, and this just feels like a team that is certainly going to be really fun to watch. They're going to be one of my league pass favorites to check out on a nightly basis. But at basically year two of this rebuild, I feel like uh, thirty six wins is is a little bit too optimistic. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And and I'm not totally positive about the rookies, like. Hunter, I mean, a lot of people thought they, you know, probably gave up a little too much to draft up and get, or to trade up and get him. Um, like, is he really going to be worth what the value of the number four pick is? I don't know. I mean, he was a steady player at UVA, but um, again, I didn't, I, I never really enjoyed watching UVA basketball very much. Um, Reddish, Reddish, we'll see. I don't know. I'm not sure what to think of him either. Um, some people super high on him, but yeah, no, I think it's I think the under is a safer bet for them. Yeah, and I think the argument a lot of people would make would would just uh, be based on the the post All Star break numbers. I think they were eleventh in offense post All Star break, and that was a, a a seismic shift in the play of Trey Young. You know, going from uh, he was shooting about twenty four percent for the first month or two from three on the season and then uh, really started to uh, to light it up towards the end. Uh, but, you know, for all those people that uh, are saying, well, they were 11th post-All-Star break, well, the, the entire season counts, you know, and, and what one of the, the, the best examples I can give to this is, you know, the, the Miami Heat from, I think, 2015 or 16, they they started 11 and 30 and then finished 30 and 11. 17. Yeah. Uh, so uh, you know, everyone was saying, "Oh, well, they this this team for the following year is going to play like they did in the second half of the season." No, they the the team the following year I think won forty four games, so they were right around the the year long total from the previous year. So I like to look at the full year projections over just like a, a month or two month stretch, and uh, I think people are getting a little too optimistic about what this Hawks offense is capable of this year based on that. Uh, that uh, post All Star break run. Is this a, was that a play or a fade for you? Uh, that was a play. I, I've got them projected for thirty three wins. I have them more likely to be in the low thirties as as opposed to the mid thirties. Yeah, that's what I thought as well. A play. All right. So uh, the next one is another Eastern Conference team, the the Detroit Pistons, a team that uh, that made the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference last season. 
Uh, Westgate has them projected for 38 wins. What are your thoughts on Detroit? That was a little too high for my liking. Um, uh, and to me, this is just a bet on Blake Griffin's health, right? Like, if he's healthy, this is going to be a decent team. You know, they added Rose. Um, they added Dumbuya, who a lot of people like. Um, but Blake hasn't played, I think Blake played 75 games last year, which was his most since like 2015, when he played 67. Um, and if really he's missing any substantial amount of time, I think that this offense is just going to fall apart. Um, so to me, it's, it's an under. I'm, I'm in complete agreement, and I'm a little bit... Uh... Uh, I'm a little bit surprised we both went with the under because obviously it's uh, the the number is a little bit pessimistic given what they did last year and given that I, I do think, as you mentioned, with the Derrick Rose edition, uh, that they, they did improve slightly on the fringes of this roster. Uh, but but as you said, the, the fact that, that Blake Griffin was healthy for most of last year, he had an all-NBA level season, and, and, you know, talking about his injury past is is one thing, but also even at the end of last year, heading into the exactly. postseason, uh, he started to have those same knee problems that have, have given him troubles. So, yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Uh, I wouldn't expect Blake Griffin to play 75 games again. And, uh, you know, without him out there, they're going to be a well below average basketball team. But uh, I'm not going to play this because there is a scenario where Blake Griffin plays a, another great season and, and they get into the playoffs again. Yeah, true, true. I, I think, I mean, like, just like you said, you know, it took an all-NBA Blake year for them to win 41 games. Um, and I, I'm i just betting that that's not going to happen. I'm not super confident because, like, you know, he's a great player. And if he does, if he does play, they'll probably be right about there, you know, barring some, you know, big Andre Drummond improvement or something like that, which, you know, we haven't really seen all these years, but yeah, this is this is under. All right, the next one uh, is the the New Orleans Pelicans. Uh, their projection is thirty eight point five wins, uh, and and this was another one that's that's uh, pretty interesting to me. I actually have this as an overplay. I, I feel like this is a team that just has so much depth. They're too deep at every spot. Uh, they added the likes of Derek Favors and uh, and J.J. Redick to this roster, along with the, the Anthony Davis trade, bringing in Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, and Brandon Ingram. All of those guys are, you know, maybe they're not, uh, you know, all-star caliber players like they were projected in the draft, but they're quality rotation players. And that, that also, you know, they've also still got a guy in Drew Holiday who's an excellent piece. And... Uh, they just seem like a team that, that has enough talent, and I think Zion Williamson as the number one pick is going to be that rare rookie that actually contributes in a positive manner in his first year. There's just a lot to like with this team, and, and I have this as an overplay. I've got them projected for 41, which would be two and a half over that Westgate projection. Yeah, this is a definite over for me. Like, it's just, first of all, just from a fun perspective, this is the team that you want to be betting the over on, right? Like, Zion, all these young guys. This is a team that where you like. If you bet the under and they blow it away somehow, like they beat it by like five or six games, you just feel like such an idiot if you bet it. Um, because they have the talent, right? Um, every 
everything you said. Zion, um, who is you know apparently going to be a generational a generational talent. Uh, good veterans. Holiday, Redick, Favors. Love all those guys. Uh, more as well. Um, is 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 more healthy this year though? For some reason, I had it in my mind that he might not be, but in any case, I like him too. Um, well, he's one of like four playable shooting guards, so I don't know if it would hurt them that much if he if he is injured. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like a lot of the concerns that people had about this team, I think, was that okay, yeah, maybe you have some fit issues. Can Ball shoot? Can Zion shoot? Are you going to be able to build like a decent offense around them? And I don't know. I think that uh, I think that just the talent alone outweighs the uh, the potential drawbacks. Um, and I don't want to bet against a fun team, so I'm going over. Yeah, and yeah, I think they're going to be sound defensively. I think uh, I think Zion will be at least an average defensive player as a rookie. Derek Favors is a real quality defensive piece. Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball are both quality defensive players, and Drew Holiday is an All NBA level defender. They're going to be a top ten defense. I would I would predict. And then offensively, yeah, the the shooting is is the major concern for me. Uh, but, but you know, they, they have enough in the likes of Drew Holiday who can create his own shot. J.J. Redick running off-ball screens and, and, and catching and firing. He can create offense. And Zion Williamson getting mismatches in the post, I think we'll be able to score some. And uh, I think Brandon Ingram, the people that are pretty optimistic about Ingram's game would suggest that he can become an elite ISO player as well. So they've got enough creation on this roster to at least eke out an average offense, and and yeah, I love the defense. Yeah, and at that point, gotta take the over. Yep. Uh, okay. So, do you have it as an overplay as well? Yes. Okay. So we're in agreement there. the uh, The next up in the Western Conference is the Sacramento Kings. They are uh, sitting at thirty eight point five as their Westgate projection. Uh, this is another one that was extremely difficult for me. Uh, you know, a team that uh, definitely is on the rise. They had a, a great, uh, a really fun season last year. De'Aaron Fox looks to be the next great point guard in the league. Uh, they've got talent in Buddy Heald and Marvin Bagley and uh, uh, Bogdanovich. They, they've, and even a guy like Harry Giles showed some promise last season. They've got a lot of young talent. They added some nice pieces to the roster in Dwayne Dedman, Trevor Ariza, and Corey Joseph. Uh, the, the concern for me, though, is you look at, uh, I, think, I think it would be hard to argue that the Kings got worse. Uh, I, I think uh, most people would suggest that this roster has more talent and the young players are going to get better. But the, the strength of the Western Conference has improved so much. I mean, just looking at uh, you know, the teams that are for sure, in my mind, going to be better this year than last. You've got the Lakers, the Clippers, the Mavericks, the Suns, the Jazz, and the Pelicans. I think all six of those teams are definitely better. Uh, and then in terms of teams that got worse, you've got Golden State, Oklahoma City, and Memphis. So you've got six teams that are definitely better and three teams that are definitely worse so you can have the same number of wins this year, I think, and still be a better team than you were last year. Yeah, it's true. I mean, for me, this was just this was a an overfade, slight over, um, and it's basically just a it's it's basically just a bet on Fox and and really seeing you know a lot out of Bagley last year. Um, 
Like, I just think that the, they have a really solid, you know, core to build around. Um, and it's, what did they win, 39 last year? Yes. So they're... Right, right, <laughs> right at the exact same number. Um, they're veteran additions. Uh, I don't know. I mean, Deadman, I like. Ariza, I mean, two years ago we saw Ariza playing really well for the Rockets, and then last year he was basically in just no man's land. Um, so I'm, I'm blah on their, on their, uh, on most of their additions, other than, other than Deadman, I think he can contribute. Um, but I think that they'll be, I think that they'll be just slightly better. Like, I could see them winning 40 games. I don't know. I don't think that's crazy to me. Oh, no, not at all. I, I have it as an overfade as well, but I have it at 39. I think they're going to have, uh, I project them to have the, an identical record to what they did last year, uh, and that would put them over by .5 games. So that uh, that line, I think, is is really good and, and one that I would definitely stay away from. Um, and like I was saying, I think they, they very easily could be a better basketball team. They could have a better point differential and still, just because of the strength of that Western Conference, uh, not see that result in in extra wins. But yeah, they'll be uh, they'll certainly be a team that uh, that'll be fun to watch. The next one I've got uh, is on the list is the Dallas Mavericks, and uh, the Westgate current total has them at 41 wins. And uh, I've got this as another overplay. How about you? I have this as overfade, um, simply because. You know, Porzingis, it's been kind of a while since we've seen him play a lot, you know? Like, I'm confident that um, the Mavericks are going to get a lot out of him. They'll be able to use him the right way. Um, and I think he's going to be a great, you know, a great mix with, with Luka. I think they're good compliments. Um, I just want to see him out there and know that he's okay, and then I'll be much more confident. So this is a fade for me. Yeah, um, the the reason I'm a little bit uh, a little bit more optimistic, and I mentioned this uh, on my pod a few weeks back with Evan Siegel when we talked Mavericks. Uh, you know, the fact that it's been it'll it'll have been a year and a half since that ACL injury when that the opening night occurs. I think that's a good deal of time for him to recover. They were very uh, cautious with bringing him back and 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 opting to not bring him back last season. Uh, and, and I think that's going to bode well for him this year. And yeah, they may play him on, you know, they may put him on the load management that we saw from like the Raptors and Kawhi last year. But even if Porzingis plays 60 games, I think that's going to be a big boost to this team. I think Doncic is uh, very capable of, of making a leap. And, uh, you know, you can say what you want about uh, DeLon Wright and Seth Curry, and maybe you feel like they overpaid or gave them too many years. But those guys are definite improvements in the backcourt from what this team had last year. Yeah. Uh, you know, Brunson, too, he's shown, you know, some moments. I'm familiar with him going back to the Villanova days. It's funny because I never really thought he'd make it in the league. But he's been pretty solid for them, I think. Um, you know, and then uh, their, other, their other major signing, Boban. Who doesn't love to have Boban on the team? <laughs> right. Come on. And yeah, I think uh, I think Boban at least once or twice uh, during the regular season will uh, will will have a matchup to his liking and help you win a game. I think uh, I think that's very possible. And 
And despite the fact that they, they won 33 games last year, uh, their, their point differential was that of a 38-win team. So really, this is, you're talking, uh, based on their, their differential, they've got to get four wins better. And I just think with, with Porzingis, Wright, Curry, Boban, and improvement from their young team, and also some, I think they'll, they'll have some added chemistry, you know, with the likes of uh, Hardaway Jr. being there for, uh, for most of last season. Uh, they're they're going to have enough, uh, and, and they're well coached. You know, Rick Carlisle is to me one of the top five coaches in the league. Yeah, so I mean, they were twentieth in offense last year, eighteenth in defense. I think that they could definitely uh, improve in both of those areas. Uh, and at that point, you know, if they're above the fifteen mark or right around there, forty over forty one, I'll, I'll I'll take it. Again, not confident, uh, just because of my Porzingis hesitancy. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it's overpaid for me. Yeah, I've got them projected for 44 wins, so it's an overplay. So, but we're both on the over. So let's move on now to the uh, to the Orlando Magic, a team that uh, that made a nice run at the end of last season and uh, made it into the Eastern Conference playoffs. Westgate has them projected for 42.5 wins, and uh, this is another one that I think is right on the money. Uh, the, this team brought back Nikola Vucevic. They've got some talent on the wings in, in Gordon and Isaac. Uh, but uh, this team is also very reliant on another quality year from DJ Augustine. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and, and we, we see it all the time with him, right? It's like every, every, every other year is when he's good or bad. So there's always the, there's always the risk. I think last year uh, was the first time that he put back-to-back good seasons together. Uh, so that, so that I don't know if then, then I'm a little and I'm a little scared because I was thinking over, but maybe we're due for a bad one then. Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, the, the especially because of the reliance on Augustine. I mean, um, you, we don't, we still don't know what the heck is going on with Fultz. They uh, did, uh, they did pick up his uh, his rookie option, and apparently they didn't have to do that for a couple more months. So the fact that they did that this early, I think, for most Magic fans, is a sign of encouragement positive sign yeah yeah i mean whenever he gets back on the court we'll see um you know we'll see what his deal is uh but i think uh i think i like this ogre um you know we've got mostly this, a similar crew around familiarity trust in steve clifford um and i think gordon could make a little bit of a jump this year too that's what i'm that's what i'm staking most of my most of my bet on but they've got um, you know, I like, I like their front court and I think in the East, which I, I don't think is, is going to have some pretty rough teams. I think they can, I think they can go over. Yeah. Uh, I'm in total agreement. The front court is just too good to, uh, again, barring uh, a crazy injury, you know, if Vucevic goes down for any extended period of time, that would spell disaster. But, but yeah, I, I would project uh, Isaac to take a little bit of a leap as well. I think he is more than capable of that. And the backcourt, you know, isn't uh, uh, isn't blowing anyone away. But Augustine and Fournier are, you know, both quality players, and they they bring something to the table. And and Terrence Ross off the bench brings them some scoring that they desperately need. Uh, you know, Clifford is a good defensive coach. I think they're they're going to be just sound enough to to sneak in. I've got this as an overfade. Uh, again, Westgate's projection of forty-two point five. I've got them at forty-three. Yeah, um, I mean, eighth in defense last year, twenty-second in offense. 
I mean, if you can just, if the offense can just get, if you can just improve a few spots, then this should be a comfortable over. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna play it. Why not? Why not? Oh. I'm, I'm, I'm staking it. I'm staking it on uh, on Aaron Gordon, my guy. Okay, so last year I think they finished with the seven seed in the East. So you've got them maybe more up in the five six range. I'm trusting. I'm trusting in Clifford, a coach that I always that I always really liked, and that you can always count on to have a solid defense and then just really good team fundamentals, where they're not going to be turning it over, they're not going to be beating themselves a lot. Yeah, um, yeah, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they're again eighth in the in the league in defense. I think they've got the personnel and the coaching to do so. And yeah, if they can if they can boost the offense, which I'm not as optimistic that they can get go higher than 22, but. Uh, We'll see. They they uh, they lack some shooting, but but yeah, they're going to be an interesting team to watch. And and certainly the the uh, the post All Star break run that they went on, if that's any indication of how they'll be as a team this year, I think yeah, they'll they'll comfortably hit that over. The next team in the East is the Brooklyn Nets, and uh, Westgate has them at forty four wins. What's your thoughts on the new look Brooklyn Nets? I had this as I had this as an over. Not super confident, but I thought it was an over. I mean, so who are they? Who are they throwing out there? They've got Irving, Dinwiddie. They added Temple and uh, DeAndre, in addition to, of course, Kevin Durant. But I mean, the word is I'm assuming that he's missing pretty much the entire year, if not. Um, yeah, I would. I would assume. He'll come back for the playoffs, right? He's not going to affect the regular season win total. That's my point, right? Right. Um. So last year they were nineteenth in offense, fifteenth in defense. The defensive numbers, I think, I think they can they can definitely replicate that. And you're confident in Atkinson as a coach. I think he's been pretty good the past few years. On offense. With Kyrie as the focal point, I don't see why they wouldn't be a slightly better than 19th, um, despite all of the uh, issues that existed in Boston last year. I think the Nets will be a little, a little more geared towards just like, okay, uh, we'll play a little more through Kyrie and the, uh, you know, the vibe will be a little better. I don't think anyone is going to be super, uh, <laughs> you know. Well, and I, I don't think the, uh, I don't think any of the drama in Boston happened in Kyrie's first year there. I think it all took place in in his second season. True, true. Yeah, and, and it might be more combustible when KD comes back. Honestly. Yeah. Um, yeah, no, I think I think that they're gonna I think they're gonna be slightly improved on offense, and I mean, forty two wins last year. I think they could I think they could hit forty five. I don't think, I don't think it's crazy for them to hit forty-five. If this was a slightly higher line, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm definitely much more hesitant. But forty-four is is reasonable to me. Yeah, I've got this as an overplay, and uh, you you talked about Kyrie. I think he's obviously an upgrade over D'Angelo Russell. There are people out there that would disagree, but uh, I'm not one of them. Uh, and uh, you know. Karis Levert missed basically half the season last year. If he's healthy and uh, and playing up to his ability, that's going to be a big boost. Again, they've got one of the best backcourts in the league. You know, you've got four guys in 
in Kyrie Irving, Dinwiddie, Lavert, and Joe Harris. I mean, that is a quality backcourt. Uh, and then they've got quality depth at center, too, and Jared Allen, DeAndre Jordan. And I even really liked their uh, their early second-round pick, Nicholas Claxton. Uh, he looked like a, a pretty impressive uh, center that can protect the rim. He's got really long arms, can can rim run. Uh, so so I think they've got some, they've got enough depth. And, and you mentioned adding Garrett Temple. They also have Torian Prince on the nice. wing. Uh, and, uh, you know, Rodians, Kuruks, they, they've got enough on this roster, I think, that, uh, and especially in a weak Eastern Conference, I've got them around 47 wins, and that's an overplay for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to fade just, just because I'm still a little scarred from uh, all, the, uh, all the Boston stuff. Yeah. But, no, I, I, think, I think that they should hit this over. I mean, this is a pretty talented team. Yeah, and, uh, and I, like like you said, like you said, you like uh, Irving over Russell. I, I totally agree, and I don't know. I, I don't really. Are there a lot of people that defend Russell over uh, Kyrie? I'm not sure. <laughs> I mean, there there. I remember hearing that question when uh, when when Brooklyn signed Kyrie and let Russell go. People were were genuinely asking the question, and and I think it 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 wasn't that Russell was genuinely a better basketball player than Irving it was just that yeah with the with the chemistry issues that Kyrie brings with him is it is that upgrade worth it uh I think it is yeah but but yeah I think uh Kyrie I, I I would be pretty shocked if this team isn't a a at least league average on offense I think they should bump it up to at least 15th if not even higher uh I think Kyrie will uh will will add a lot and and Kyrie uh, despite all of those uh, you know st- all that drama off the court he's improved as a player on the court over the last couple of years while he was in Boston he became a better defensive player his passing got better he uh, he increased his three point volume i think he's he's becoming better every year even if the uh, the off stage stuff is getting tiring i mean statistically he was fantastic last year until yeah. the playoffs until the playoffs but yeah i mean I think I think the change of setting will. I think if he's at least a little happier, they'll be they'll be fine for most of this year. Well, yeah, and there's there's something to the fact that this was this was Kyrie's choice, and if he still is complaining even after making the choice to come to Brooklyn, uh, it's on him. Uh, yeah, but uh, but uh, moving on now to a to another Eastern Conference team that uh, is right in the same. Uh, same category, I would say, as the Brooklyn Nets as far as uh, competing for those Eastern Conference playoff spots, and that is the Miami Heat. The Heat uh, on Westgate's projections are are uh, looking at 44 wins. And uh, Jerry, what's your thoughts on uh, on Miami this year with the uh, with the addition of Jimmy Butler? So Miami last year, quick before before we get into this year, quick uh, quick look at last year. 39 wins, 43 losses, 26th in offense, 7th in defense. That's like just the most classic post-LeBron Miami statistical resume possible. Yes. <laughs> Where they have, and minus, minus 0.2 points for resume. Where they have very strong defense, a pretty blah, crappy-ish, ineffective, and slow offense. Um, probably overextended some of their guys a bit. Richardson probably gave them a little too much creation duty. Um, 
Now they have a focal point, though, right? They have Butler, who really played well for Philly last year, especially in a lot of those crunch time moments. Um, and this is mostly just, for me, a, a vote of confidence in Spolstra and, uh, and Butler. I think this is going to be a slide over. Yeah, I'm I'm on the same page. It's an overfade for me. I've got them projected for 45, so so just over the the Westgate 44. Um, and and yeah, they're as you said last year they were they were uh, eighth in defense. I think they're going to be. Uh, that's right. You said eighth, right? I think I think seventh. I might be or, I might be a little spot or two off, but but good in top ten in defense for sure. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, I think Butler at the very worst is going to get them into the low 20s offensively. And again, I think that puts you into the into the definite playoff mix. Uh, and, and also, you know, Goran Dragic only played 36 games last year, so getting a healthier season from him is also going to boost the offense. Yeah, I mean, they're always, with Miami, they're always going to be the concerns about shooting and whatnot. Um, Butler, not, not the most reliable guy, and then they're relying on dudes like, you know, uh, Waiters, Winslow, Olenek, guys that have been at times good and at other times, uh, blah, you know. So there's always that concern. I mean, but I think I think with, you know, finally a player that can really break down defenses more so than any guy they've had in really the post-LeBron era, um, I think they'll be able to make the, the necessary improvements on offense. Yeah, uh, I uh, I would be pretty surprised if they don't uh, if they don't make it into the Eastern Conference playoffs this year. Uh, but uh, moving on now to another Eastern Conference uh, team, the the defending champion Toronto Raptors, projected by Westgate at just forty six wins. And uh, if you could tell by my tone there, this one is the easiest overplay that I had on the board. Um, and for me, I've got them projected at 52 wins and being the second seed in the Eastern Conference. How about you? Yeah, I had this as an over as well. I mean, I I see, I get the downsides. Like, okay, Kawhi is gone, of course. Danny Green is gone. Lowry is one year older. Uh, coming off of a, another injury this past summer. Gasol, also another year older. Um, like, I... I get that stuff, but we also just watched last year this team be extremely, you know, just extremely together, not only like mentally in the playoffs where there was a lot of moments where they could have folded and they really, you know, uh, ended up getting through a lot of these really tough games, but defensively, fantastic. And they still have a lot of those pieces. They still have Siaka. They still have Ibaka. They still have... OG, who wasn't a factor last year, but, I mean, we should see a bunch of them this year. Lowry, Powell, Van Vliet. Um, Gasol. Gasol. Um, and and maybe a little bit of, of, uh, of Ronde uh, here and there. Um, and especially if, if Siakam makes any kind of, you know, jump to another level, I think this is going to be, I think this is going to be an over. Yeah, I mean, you you look at what they did not only last year when Kawhi sat, they they had a really impressive record, but a couple of years ago, uh, I know that team had DeMar DeRozan, but that team won 59 games with a lot of the same personnel, and you've added Gasol to this team. Siakam has gotten, uh, you know, uh, infinitely better, and and I think Siakam can take over that number one scoring role 
and do that a lot more efficiently than DeRozan ever did. Yeah, I mean, he's a, a, a guy that we've seen, you know, destroy teams in transition. He's just long, athletic. I, I love Siakam. He's such a great player. Um, and I think, yeah, I'm, if I'm going to die on a hill with the Raptors, it's going to be it's going to be on the over. I mean, we, we just saw how smart this team was last <laughs> last summer. I'm going to believe in that infrastructure um, with the nurse and all those guys. Yeah, I mean, the, the depth at point guard and center, those are two of the most important positions in the NBA, especially when it comes to being good defensively, and they've got that with Gasol and Ibaka at the five and, and Lowry and Van Fleet at the one. Uh, another guy that I think uh, um, that we haven't mentioned yet, uh, they, they, uh, they signed a guard, uh, Matt Thomas, uh, who shot the lights out in Europe the last couple of seasons, I think. The, the goal by Masai there with that signing is to replace some of that three-point shooting that, that they lost in, in Danny Green going to L.A. Uh, but uh, Norman Powell, I think, can step in at the two and, and be a decent starting two-guard. Ananobi, as you said, despite the the the, the injury, uh, it was the appende- emergency appendectomy that kept him out of the whole postseason. I think he's going to be able to at least, I mean, obviously he's nowhere near the offensive player Kawhi is, but uh, I think he'll be able to, you know, 85 to 90% replicate what Kawhi did defensively. So I think this team can still be a top five defense. I think they've got enough passing, enough shooting, and uh, enough creation on this team to, to still be a, an above average offense, which again, I think that gets you into that 50, 50 win range. Yeah. And I mean, back to OG for one second. Like, I think two years ago when they got swept by the Cavs, um, one of the major problems was that they just weren't playing him enough. Like, they were playing these really wacky lineups. And the one guy that they had that could defend, you know, LeBron, one of the elite, you know, wing guys in the league, uh, they just weren't playing him enough. So I think OG, you know, this is what, year three for him? Yes. I I think he could be, I think he could be, you know, a pretty big factor on this team. I think he could play really well. Yeah, um, and and yeah, as you as you stated right off the bat, if uh, if Siakam is able to take another leap even after his most improved player uh, season, uh, that uh, that that even makes me that much more confident in this Raptors over. But yeah, uh, you know the the track record with this team, even prior to Kawhi, also helps me with this projection. They they were always uh, with with uh, with Kyle Lowry and DeRozan in that mid to high fifties win totals for. For three or four years running so uh yeah to expect them to drop into the mid 40s seems way too low so yeah that's uh out of all of these I, I ended up with 10 plays total out of all of the plays this is the one i would be most confident betting on uh but moving on now to the uh, the portland trailblazers their uh, westgate projection at 46.5 what are your thoughts on portland portland was tricky for me um probably more so than a lot of other teams in the West. Um, you know, they, they have the, the steady backcourt, Damon CJ, of course. Uh, Nurkic is going to be out for at least a while. So they've got Whiteside in the mix, right? I think we'll be okay for them. Like, I don't think he's going to be <laughs> a disaster or something. Uh, but what concerns me with them is, uh, you know, a lot of, and basically the rest of the roster. 
Um, they lost a lot of their main pieces from the past few years. Um, you know, Aminu and Harkless are gone. Who were guys that, you know, uh, in a lot of big moments, they didn't really deliver maybe, but were kind of big for this team in terms of wing defense and, you know, being able to play certain styles. Uh, those guys are gone. And now it's Hood, Bazemore, Hazania. So, yeah, I don't know. Not a bunch that I'm super confident in, but I feel kind of strange betting against Dame. So, I, I'm, again, not, not confident. This is probably going to be a slight under for me, but um, I could see it going either way. Interesting. So uh, this is our first disagreement, uh, and uh, that's only purely in the fact that I that I have it at the over. I've got them projected for 48, which is one and a half more than the projection. And I agree with all the points that you made. I think the Harkless and Aminu uh, departures are, are going to hurt us. And the, the big question for me, though, is is it going to hurt more in the regular season or is it going to hurt more in the playoffs? And I think it's going to be more of a playoff issue in terms of defending those elite wings in a seven-game series than it is on a night-to-night basis in the regular season. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think this offseason, I think they got worse. You know, they made the conference finals and then lost about seven rotation players. It was real bizarre, and I don't think they really did much to improve. I, I do like the swap from Turner to Bazemore. I like Bazemore's three-point shooting. Uh, I think uh, you know they're they're going to go more with uh, with Hood and Baysmore at the three, so they're going to try to get uh, you know as as much shooting at that position as possible. But there's also talk that they're going to play two bigs with uh, with Whiteside and Collins playing the five and the four respectively. So you lose a little bit of shooting there. It is it is confusing. It's one of those things where uh, you know. I feel like every year I'm a little disappointed in Neil O'Shea's offseason. Uh, and every year uh, prior to this year, I've, I've picked the under and I've been wrong. So this year I'm finally going to say, even though I didn't like it, I think Dame and CJ are just good enough to, to get you to the high 40s, really no matter what's around them. Yeah, I, th- I think I'm almost in the same boat as you. I feel like I, I, I always underestimate the Blazers. And even after doing it again last year, I'm probably going to do it again this year. <laughs> <laughs> but I, pr- I respect like, the fact that you're sticking to your guns. Uh, yeah, no, I, it's, it's not a confident pick. Like, this is definitely a fade for me. But, um, you know, the, the West is going to have a few teams that are better and somebody's going to have to take the hit, you know. And I think that, Right in that, like I can see them going over, of course, but right in that range, you know, 44 to 48, I think is probably where they're going to fall. Um, and then if if they get any backward injuries, like, who knows? At that point, all bets are off, I think. I yes, and uh, they're, uh, they're, they're relying a lot on Hassan Whiteside, who, uh, who his, his effort level has, uh, has waxed and waned over the years, to, to say the least. Uh, but uh, I do think he's going to be a, a relatively good fit in, in Terry Stott's defensive system. I think he can execute in, in a similar way that Nurkic did, even though I don't like him nearly as much on the offensive end as uh, the injured uh, starting center for Portland. But, uh, but yeah, it'll be, it'll be really interesting to see. And, yeah, I, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if they, if they went under that number. And, uh, uh, but, yeah, let's move on now to the San Antonio Spurs. They, uh, their Westgate proje- projection is at 47.5. What are your thoughts on San Antonio? This was too high for me. This was an under. Um, 
I'm sorry, sorry, Pop. I'm sorry to bet against the Spurs, but uh, uh, you know, last year, forty-eight and thirty-four, top six offense, which you know, kind of surprising. I don't know if they're going to be able to replicate that, barring you know just awesome bench play or which you know could happen, but barring that or you know. DeRozan resurrection season in terms of his ability to shoot. Um, 20th defense. I mean, with Murray coming back, it should be probably a little better on that end, but probably a little worse on offense as well. Um, and they outperformed, I think, their point differential last year. They were closer to a 45-win team. So this was an under for me. I, I just think that they're going to be right around there again. 45, 46. 48 was too high for me. I didn't like it. Yeah, I, I I really like your point on Murray. I think he's an interesting player because while yes, he's going to add certainly a, an all defensive level player to their backcourt, which is going to be huge and and will improve that twenty ranked defense as you mentioned. The the his limited shooting I think is going to be a definite problem and will will hurt their offense. Although you know there there was a lot of talk heading into last season prior to him getting hurt that uh, his shot looked really good. So so maybe he uh, he has reworked that jumper since we've last seen him. It has been, uh, you know, over a year and a half since he's been on an NBA court. Uh, and, and if that is improved and, and he can add to the defense and not take away from the offense, then you're talking about a team that I think could be better. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's always you you got to feel uncomfortable betting the under with them always because – you know, even last year we saw it. They get off to a rough start, and then in December they have, like, the best offense in the league, and they destroy, like, everybody. Um, you know, so it's it's a team that's not going to beat itself very often, but I just don't really like the collection. I, I just don't like the full, you know, the full roster. It's not a, I don't think it's a 48-win team. Yeah, and losing Bertans to make a cap room for Marcus Morris, who eventually walked, was was a real tough blow. He was a big piece of that, uh, a big piece of that bench, and added a lot of shooting for them. You know, you look at a guy like Marco Bellinelli; he's a year older, and also a guy in Lamarcus Aldridge. I think at some point, uh, I think Aldridge has been remarkably consistent. Uh, you know, even into his uh, early to mid thirties, but he's thirty four now. At some point, he's going to show some signs of decline. For sure, for sure. Um, so yeah, I uh, I'm right there with you. I'm an under, but uh, it's definitely a fade. There's there's no reality in which I would bet against Greg Popovich. Uh, so <laughs> so yeah, it's definitely a fade, and uh, wouldn't shock me if they end up winning 50 games at all. They're uh, you know they they continuously surprise people uh, in in how well they can they can maintain a, a winning basketball team and culture. But uh, moving on now to a team in the the Eastern Conference, the Indiana Pacers. This is another one that was a little bit tricky, again, because of the absence of Oladipo for likely the first half of the NBA season. Despite that, they're still projecting Indiana to finish with 47 and a half wins. What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, again, this is this all depends on how much Oladipo plays, to me, at least. Um, if he's really going to miss the first half of the season, this is just a straight-up under for me. Um like, Brogdon, I like, his, he's a good addition, I think. I mean, they, they paid a lot for him, is the truth, but he, he really was, you know, an important player for the Bucks last year. And at times in the playoffs, like, 
was just absolutely critical for them, um, particularly when you know Bledsoe wasn't playing well. Um, I like the talent on this team, like Lamb, solid addition. Um, Sabonis and Turner still have, you know, still still a little uncomfortable with that pairing, but both of those guys are solid in their own right. Um, I think what we can expect is mostly pretty solid defense out of this team. They were third last year. Maybe that takes a little hit with Oladipo out a lot of the year, but I just don't see the offense being able to produce uh, at, you know, 48-49 with level without Oladipo. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, last year Oladipo played 36 games. They went 25-11 and 11 with him and essentially 500 without him. Uh, so... If uh, if he misses a similar amount of games this year, it'll be it'll be fascinating to see when he comes back if they can just you know pick up right where they left off and and be a team that that uh, wins at a 55 win pace. Uh, I am a little bit pessimistic about that. Uh, I I question whether Oladipo is going to be the exact same guy he was even last year prior to the injury. Um, so so that is concerning. And then also. I think, you know, around the margins, you look at the, the additions they made. You mentioned Brogdon, who I think is a great fit if we see Oladipo back to the level he was a couple of years ago. I think Brogdon is a perfect backcourt mate for that player. Uh, but Brogdon, Jeremy Lamb, TJ Warren, TJ those, Warren. those yeah. three guys are essentially replacing the likes of Thaddeus Young, Boyan Bogdanovich, and Darren Collison. What do you what do you think about just those that that three players or that six player swap and whether that's an upgrade or a downgrade? Yeah, I mean, Boyan was like fantastic for them last year, um, so it's probably a little unreasonable to expect um, you know either Lamb or Warren to come in and play that well. I guess, although I like both of those guys individually, like I think that they're decent. Um, Thaddeus have been on this team. I feel like forever. It's only been a few years, but you know, a, a veteran presence that uh, you hate to lose. I guess. Um, in general, like, I think it's probably a wash. Like in the long run, uh, you would probably prefer to have the few younger guys as opposed to uh, the guys on the way out. Um, although Collison, I mean, did they replace Collison? Did they bring in? Um, well, like they McConnell, I think. Um, perhaps they also drafted Aaron Holiday, not this year's draft, but the Last previous year. year's yeah. draft. So I wouldn't be shocked if he assumes the reins of backup point guard. But essentially, I feel like Brogdon is the is the replacement in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah. I mean, definite, definite uh, upgrade there. I, I think you know. Again, I, I think the the acquisitions and departures, at least for now, are a wash to me. Uh, the only thing that matters is how many games is Victor playing? When he comes back, is he going to be normal, below average, um, or below his average at least? And then beyond that, how are they going to be managing? Is he going to be playing on minute restrictions, all this? Um, so if we're hearing about minute restrictions and all that, then that's that's just under for me. <laughs> yeah, um, I'm... 
I'm under on this team as well, and and I'm a little bit, uh, you know, not as confident in in that uh, in that six player swap you were talking about. I think it is a little bit of a downgrade. I think Thaddeus Young was a huge part of why they were able to be a top five defense. Obviously, Turner was excellent, but but I think Sabonis replacing Young at the four is a downgrade on the defensive end of the floor, and he doesn't really add much offensively as far as uh, stretching the floor, spacing the floor for that offense. And, uh, and yeah, as far as you mentioned uh, Bogdanovich's role as the number one option, which allowed the Pacers to essentially still be a 500 team without Oladipo, he averaged about 20 points a game in that time. Um, you know, as much as I like Brogdon, Lamb, or Warren, I don't think any of those guys are capable of being a number one threat. Do you think that this team is going to make any kind of frontcourt trade? Sabonis, Turner, one of those guys? Because that's another that's another thing to keep in mind here. It it I mean, would make sense, especially I think I think the the most likely trade candidate for the Pacers would be Sabonis. Uh, I heard even rumors of a potential. Uh, people were talking about a potential Sabonis for Jalen Brown swap. Uh, whereas you know both teams, uh, the the Celtics need a center and the Pacers desperately need wings. Um, it, it works in terms of a fit perspective. I don't know if uh, if Boston would consider that an even swap as far as talent, uh, but uh, but yeah, that's an interesting one. Uh, and then you know they also drafted that Goga Batadze at 18 overall. Apparently they really like that kid, and maybe he'll play some minutes at backup center. And and if he shows that he's pretty good, I, I think that would uh, would make a Sabonis trade even more likely. Yeah, I think that's that's probably the thing to watch out for here. Um, potential trade that that boosts them, but in any case, for now, it's it's an under for me. Yeah, I have it as an under fade. I've got them at projected at forty six wins. I still have them, you know, being a top ten defense for sure. But I, I I worry about the offense. But in the Eastern Conference, I think they're a safe bet to still make the playoffs. Uh, moving on now to the Golden State Warriors. This one is absolutely fascinating to me. Uh, their Westgate projection is at 48.5. Um, this one, to me, I- I've got it as an underfade. Uh, and I know betting against Steph Curry is-, is not something that makes me comfortable when I go to bed at night. Uh, but uh, uh, this team just lacks any talent at the wing spot you know losing the likes of of clay thompson for the vast majority of this season they lost kevin durant they traded andre iguodala they have nobody to defend wings they have a lack of shooting on this roster and they're just so reliant on steph and draymond staying healthy because if either one of those guys gets hurt uh you know steph if he gets hurt they become arguably one of the worst offenses in the league and if Draymond gets hurt, they become arguably one of the worst defensive teams in the league. Yeah, this was this was overfade to me. Um, like you said, I, I my my gut was just like I'm I'm just not gonna bet against the Warriors. <laughs> you know what I mean? I just wouldn't I wouldn't be confident doing it. But everything you said is right. I mean, they have McKinney, Burks, GR three. Evans, like these kind of guys that are in the mix on the wing. I mean, from having Clay, KD, Iggy to to that, you know. So it's a it's a huge drop off to what we're used to for them. Um, and then uh, when is Clay coming back? That's another question. 
right? I mean, if he's, I mean, he's going to miss most of the season, I would think. Uh, but you never know. He's like a maniac. So if he's back in like, if he's back, if we're hearing rumblings in January or February, that could affect the win total as well. But, you know, I mean, the D'Angelo move, I wasn't like crazy about. Um, I, I understood why they did it. Um, and I think at least for the regular season, I mean, okay, fine. <laughs> I, I get it. Um, but I, I, I'm not going to bet against Steph. Like, we know... Steph, Draymond, and then, you know, Looney, those three guys, you know, I I have confidence in them. You know, I have total confidence in Steph and Draymond, and as long as those two guys are healthy, which, again, questionable, but as long as they've got them and Kerr at the helm, I'm I'm confident uh, that that they'll be pretty good. So, I mean, this is a... This is a fade for me, simply because you never know about the injuries. Um, like, Steph missed, I don't know, however many games two years ago, 25 to 30 at least. Uh, so that's always lurking. Draymond with maybe some aging concerns as well, you know, whether he's going to have that intensity every every single game. But it just might be out of necessity this year, you know. Yeah, uh, it's, uh, you know, if, if I could... If if you could tell me right now that Steph and Draymond are going to play seventy five games we, each, uh, I take the over easily. Um, you know, the issue to me is you know Steph has a has a history of missing you know a week here or there with with an ankle issue. I'm expecting him to miss fifteen twenty games like he has uh, pretty consistently, and I just think their offense is going to be terrible without him on the floor. But you know, if again if he stays healthy. And they win fifty plus games. I, I, I would uh, I would pretty much guarantee that Steph Curry is right there in the MVP conversation because I, I if was I was literally just about to ask you, what do you think is more likely, Steph winning MVP or the Warriors missing the playoffs? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's 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 a genuinely good question. But yeah, if, if he's healthy and and he takes this roster, which I think is below average, uh, if he if he can bring this roster to like a top five offense, I mean. He, you got to argue. You got to make the argument that he's the greatest offensive player of all time if he can do that. Yeah, well, he's. I mean, he's certainly one of them, and we've seen him just go bananas so many times in the past that um, I don't think anyone would be shocked. Um, and especially like, I mean, like what we saw in the finals last year. You know, once everyone went down, they were pretty, pretty rough. But in a lot of those games, they were still right there. Although, to be fair, I mean, games five and six, I mean, Clay did play uh, most of those games. So it's not it's not a totally equal comparison with... Uh, well, yeah, I think the... Three, the, where, the he, uh, where he had 47 points. Yeah, that's what I was about to say. I think the better comparison would be game three, where Steph just had yeah. to go crazy, and it still just felt like they never had a chance to win the game. But you're not going to be playing the Raptors every, every that, game. That is true. So. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, I um, I would say if you're picking the over, I think you should probably bet on Steph Curry winning MVP too. I think uh, I think if the Warriors win 50 plus, I think he's going to be right there. 
and uh, he's I think he's going to have to put up numbers like he did in 2016, and Draymond Green's going to have to put up a defensive season like he did in 2016 when that team won 73 if this team wants to get into that 50-plus win territory. Agreed. Now, uh, moving on to uh, the, the Boston Celtics, they're sitting at 49.5 as their projection by Westgate. So, Jerry, what are your thoughts on uh, on the new-look Boston Celtics? Yeah, uh, new in some ways and uh, not so new in other ways. Uh, and and the, the not new is what I'm betting on here. I'm betting on Stevens. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking that they're going to go over. Uh, this is a fade for me, definitely. I don't. I'm not super confident in the pick, but uh, you know they won 49 last year. They had all of these weird issues swirling around the whole year, where in the very beginning we think they're a finals contender, and then slowly as the year goes on, we get what is wrong with the Celtics? What is wrong with the Celtics? What is wrong with the Celtics? Their statistical resume is pretty solid, despite the fact that they were like not the greatest team. <laughs> they had the sixth best defense and I think 10th offense. Um, so for all the hand ringing and a plus four point differential, all the hand ringing they were okay. I think the I think the Walker for Kyrie swap is you know not that big of an issue to me. I think Walker is a solid player. I think they're going to be able to have a really good offense. Um, but the defense with Horford leaving is, is what scares me here. Like, I could see them winning 50, having everyone, you know, kind of outperform what we expect of them. Hayward having a better season than before. Tatum taking a jump and Brown maybe being better than last year. Um, but I could also see them having a so-so defense, um, you know, and, and not hitting the 49 mark. So that's why it's a, that's why it's a fade for me. Yeah, I'm I'm over fate as well, and and the number one thing I have on my notes is the number one thing you brought up, which is Brad Stevens. I am a Brad Stevens believer. Now, he may not be as good of a coach as we think in terms of when he's got a great roster getting them to play up to their potential, but I think the, the thing that makes Brad Stevens special as a coach, and it goes back to his college days with Butler, is getting lesser teams to play, you know, better than they actually are, you know, um... I think even going back to that 2016-17 season where Isaiah Thomas went crazy, I mean, that team won 53 games, and, and I don't think anyone really projected that at all. Uh, they had they, no right to win 53 games. So. Right. Uh, and and this, this roster seems pretty similar from a talent perspective. I mean, I think they're going to they're gonna get good point guard play from Kemba Walker. Uh, they they've got I I think all all of their wings are going to play better this year. I I like the fact that Jalen Brown and and Jason Tatum got the Team USA experience this summer. Uh, I like Gordon Hayward now basically a full year out from that uh, that surgery to be looking healthier and more like his old self. So very easily this team could have you know a, a top ten point guard and and the best wing depth in the entire league. Yeah, yeah, I think it's, I, I, I like them, you know, and, and we're going to be, it's going to be much more, I think, you know, much more placid atmosphere. I think everyone's going to be pretty happy. And at that point, I think, I think they're going to, I think they're going to hit the 50 mark. Um, again, uh, fade, but I like the Celtics. 
Yeah, and their their center position certainly is, uh, as you mentioned, a lot weaker without Horford. But they've got versatility there. You know, they've got an offensive center in Cantor. They've got, uh, you know, I think Daniel Tice is a guy that can be a little bit of a change of pace. He showed he can hit the three ball a little bit. Uh, Robert Williams is the real good athlete at center. And then they could also go with a more switchable uh, small ball five with their rookie Grant Williams. So they've got some versatility there. Uh, and and I think with, with Stevens, I think one of the things that's made him special is I think he can get a lot out of a team defensively. Similar to what Terry Stotts has done in Portland and, and taking a Portland team and making them pretty good defensively just through their system. I think there's a solid system in Boston under Brad Stevens. And, and that defense, despite not having Al Horford, I think will still be solid. And uh, I think the offense has the ability to be uh, just as good as it was last year. Yeah, I mean, we've seen it before. Even with Kyrie, you know, who was, we always thought of as a really bad defender in Cleveland, um, you know, last year and, the, and, and uh, sorry, two years ago when he first arrived and last year, they were top 10 defensive units, you know. Um, so I, I think I think they're going to get, I think you're right, I think they're going to be able to get enough out of, out of Walker um, on that end. Yeah, so I've got them projected for 51 wins, so I'm an over-fade. You're a fade as well, right? Yes, yes. Okay, so we're in agreement there. The next team is uh, on the list is the Los Angeles Lakers. Uh, Westgate has them at 50 wins, and uh, this one's a tough one for me. Obviously, they've got two top 10 guys in LeBron James and Anthony Davis, but the big question for me is... Uh, you know, obviously, AD and, and LBJ are going to put up monster stats, and certainly I would fear this team come playoff time. But how confident are you that these two guys are still dominant regular season players? Yeah, so uh, to me, this bet is all about, I mean, a lot of things have to go right for them, right? They have to get LeBron and Davis to play a ton of games, and they have to play at a really, really high level. And I just don't think that, I don't really think that they should, you know, be playing these guys really heavy minutes uh, and getting them these, you know, crazy stats necessarily. I think that they should be much more careful um, and, and really wait until the playoffs to, you know, unleash those guys. Um, as far as the regular season, like, they're relying on a lot of dudes that are eh, not necessarily super reliable. Um, there's going to be some JaVale McGee, some Dwight Howard, some KCP in the mix, uh, Quinn Cook, Avery Bradley, Rondo. So, you know, this is an under for me. I, I think that they're going to be pretty good come playoff time, but... You know, I don't think that you really want to push LeBron and Davis too hard uh, throughout the year. Chase, I don't know, the two or three seed or the one seed. I don't think it's worth it for them. You know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, I find it pretty incredible that, uh, you know, if you would have told me five years ago that Dwight Howard and JaVel McGee would be used in the same sentence to say, oh, you've got to throw those guys out there. That would... <laughs> <laughs> Man, how far Dwight Howard has fallen. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I, I'm in agreement here. Uh, I think the Lakers are, uh, I have them as an underfade. I've got them at 48 wins. Uh, you know, you look at 
Uh, Anthony Davis has never won more than 48 regular season games in his entire career. Now, you can say that has a lot to do with the talent that he had with New Orleans, and that's fair. But, you know, even LeBron, the last three years, last year 37 wins, the year before that 50, and the year before that 51. And those last couple of Cavs teams, I think, uh, you know, outperformed their point differential pretty significantly. They were more in like the low to mid 40s in terms of expected wins. So neither of these guys, I think, are, are guys that you can say, oh, if, if you've got them as your best guy, you're winning 50 games. Uh, so, And as you said, they, they probably would uh, would be best to, to rest those guys and make sure that their minute totals aren't crazy so that they are prepared to, to make a run come playoff time. The point guard position is seems to be a disaster as well. Uh, but uh, but I do love Danny Green. Uh, you know I think Kyle Kuzma he looked good in in the exhibition games for Team USA. He he reworked his jump shot and he was hitting it pretty effectively from at least the FIBA three point line. We'll see if that that works with the extended three point range. But uh, I think they have enough talent to to at least get into the playoffs. And then once they're in there, uh, I, they would be the one of the few teams that I would not want to see as uh, my first round opponent. Definitely, definitely. Yeah, this is. I'm gonna be a, a little, a little more firm. I think this is just a straight up underplay for me, just okay. because we've seen it so many times the past few years with LeBron teams going under. You know, taking it a little more chill in the regular season. Maybe, you know, maybe he's a little more motivated after last year's you know pretty disastrous uh, start with the Lakers. I will say though that uh, if you're confident in an underplay, that also means that you're somewhat questioning whether they're even going to get in, given the, the strength of the West. Uh, I do, well, I just don't think that they're going to win. I just don't think that they're going to win 50. I think that 48-47 is right where they're, they'll be. And that should be enough for, what, 6? 5 six Probably. Maybe, although just a few years ago, the Nuggets missed out with, I believe, 46 wins. So... Um, it's possible to be in danger territory if you're if you're at the 47 mark. But, yeah, I think if, if they get to 48 or more, uh, I think that you're probably safe at that stage. The next team we've got is the Denver Nuggets, who uh, Westgate has at 53 wins. And this was one that uh, – this is another one of the ones I'm more confident in. This is an overplay for me. Uh, the Nuggets won uh, – what was it? I believe 54 last year. Yes. So they've actually got them projected for one fewer win, despite the fact that most of their core is is young and improving. They added Jeremy Grant. They've still got that uh, you know home court advantage with the altitude. Uh, they they got uh, some some bad injury luck with the likes of uh, of Gary Harris and Will Barton last year, and neither of them really played up to their uh, you know top abilities. So I think this is a pretty easy over. I've got them winning around 56 this year and being right near the top of the Western Conference. Yeah, I think that they're going to hit the one or two seed probably in the West again. I mean, they were two last year, right? Um, Like you said, they were top 10 in both offensive and defensive rating at 154 games, right? Um, I like like the players they have. They have a lot of depth. Um, They can weather... Most injuries, I would think, unless it's maybe to Jokic, in which case uh, the offense is probably going to struggle a little more. But I think, you know, Jokic is going to be an MVP candidate. Um, and barring the, the patented 
Jamal Murray early season shooting slumps. I think that they should be one of the best, you know, best offenses in the league for pretty much all the year. Um, so it's definite over for me. Yeah, and and your comment about the depth that this team has is, you know, even if like Millsap got hurt, the fact that Jeremy Grant can fill in and vice versa. Yeah. Uh, and then you also, with the play of Malik Beasley last year, you could see that they, they were able to get away with, with Barton and Harris missing a lot of time because they have depth behind those guys. So, you know, Torrey Craig was, was a pleasant surprise. Yeah, lots, just lots of guys to throw out there. And, and Craig had uh, one or two big moments in the Spurs series, if I recall. Also some not great moments, but still. Yeah, a lot of those, uh, a lot of those players outside of Jokic were pretty up and down in the playoffs, but... Again, I think going two rounds and getting that experience for a young team is going to pay dividends for the regular season. Yes, yes. Yeah, so uh, our, overplay. your overplay as well. Okay, so we're in yes. total agreement there. So the next team is uh, we're down to the final five here. Uh, the the Houston Rockets and their Westgate projection at fifty four point five. This is another one that was really tough for me. Uh, I, uh, if, if any of you have listened to, to this, uh, this podcast in the past, you know I am not a big Westbrook fan, and I am a pretty big Chris Paul fan, so that swap, uh, I do not think that made them better. I, uh, I, you know, last year the Rockets finished 17th on defense. I think the, the Paul to Westbrook is going to be a big downgrade on that end of the floor. Westbrook consistently just uh, kind of coasts on defense and, and gets lost out there and leaves his man wide open for 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 good-looking threes. And, you know, they don't have Jeff, Jeff Bizdelic, who came back, uh, you know, about a third of the way into the season last year, and their defense got so much better after he returned. He's not around this year. Uh, so there's, there's a lot not to like about this defense. You know, P.J. Tucker, Eric Gordon are a year older. Their backup centers are 36 and 37 years old, res- respectively, with Tyson Chandler and Nene. I mean, to me, I, I, would, I would be really surprised if this team finishes even in the top 20 defensively. Yeah, so this was, this was an overshade for me. Um, okay, so I'm glad we have a disagreement. You, you brought, I'm curious. Yeah, you, you, brought up, you brought up a lot of the, a lot of the major concerns, right? Um, you know, how reliable are a lot of these dudes? Like, you know, in the playoffs we saw it too, right? You're looking at Gary Clark. You're looking at Daniel House. All these guys. Can you can you play them against... I mean, well, they were playing the Warriors, to be fair. But it's like a lot of those guys just completely disappeared. Right? Uh, and then Russell Westbrook, right? How does he compare to Paul? Um, I don't know. For the regular season, I think... Westbrook is going to be fine for them. Like, not the best defender, and then he gambles a lot. We know that. But he's kind of an iron man that's, you know, you're confident he's going to be there the full season, right? With Paul, Paul played 60 games last year, right around that mark somewhere. Um, so 22 games missed. And it was, I think, during that time that we had a lot of the early season weirdness with the Rockets. I, I just don't think that there's going to be that kind of vibe uh, within this year where they get off to like a, some terrible start. Um, well, yeah, there's no Carmelo Anthony on the roster to begin this season. True, true. Um, 
I, I just don't think that they're going to get off to like a horrendous start like they did last year, where they were, you know, where they had to be like fantastic to get back to. What did they win? Fifty-three games last year. Yeah. So I think I mean a two-win improvement from last year. I think I think is reasonable. Um, if they're just stable the full year, we get you know an and square and Harden is the clear you know number one guy. Um, and maybe that's not even feasible though. <laughs> maybe it's not possible with Russell Westbrook for that to happen. But um, I, I think if they can if they can sort that out, you know. And D'Antoni can, uh, you know, craft an offense where everyone is happy, um, and there's not going to be a lot of tension between Westbrook and Harden. I think that they're going to be fine. Yeah, I, I certainly okay. see. I certainly see the upside with the the Westbrook move. You know. Obviously, he's never played with this kind of spacing before, so his driving to the basket and kicking out to corner threes is going to be more valuable on this team than it ever was in Oklahoma City. So certainly that aspect with Westbrook with the ball in his hands, it, it, could, be, it could be explosive and very effective. And, you know, I, I heard on a, a Real GM episode where they were talking about the idea that you know, on a random Tuesday night in the regular season in February, a team uh, that, that doesn't get any time to actually prepare to deal with Westbrook and Harden, those two guys are, are so different as offensive players, it takes such a different defensive game plan to deal with them. So the fact that one possession you have to deal with Harden and the next you have to deal with Westbrook, I understand that that could cause major issues for defenses. But Again, going back to the defense, the offensive and defensive ratings, you know, they were second in offense last year and 17th in defense. If this team's going to be better, where are they getting better? Are they going to be better than they were offensively last year, even though you're taking the ball out of Harden's hands, who's one of the most efficient players in the league, and putting it in Westbrook's hands, who's one of the least efficient? I don't know. I mean, I think that they're going to be right there. Uh, on offense, I don't think that they're going to get that much worse, particularly because Gordon like was really bad a lot of last year. Um, you know, shot very poorly, um, and I think if he's you know if they get a little bit of that shooting back, I guess if he's a little more reliable, um, I like you know I like just the main the main suspects on this team. You know, Gordon. Rivers, reliable guy in the playoffs, always going to be there to, you know, a guy that you want in the foxhole, as Byron Fox would say, right? Byron Fox, Byron Scott. <laughs> <laughs> um, Capella is a guy that we always see, you just get like pulverized by the Warriors, and then that's just your lasting impression going into the season. I think he can be decent enough for them. I mean, at times over the past two years, we're talking about like the unstoppable Harden, Capella, pick and rolls, and all this stuff. So, I think on offense they're going to be okay. Defense, a little more concerning, probably. Yeah. Now, with all of my arguments, I probably sound super confident in the under. I'm going under, but it's a fade. I, I definitely see your your argument, and I can see how, especially offensively, the the Westbrook and Harden thing could work, especially if they. You know, if Dan Tony is able to convince uh, convince Westbrook to do the same thing that Paul did, which is leave at about the seven minute mark of the first quarter 
and uh, and come back near the end of the first and and so that you can spread out those those minutes so they're not on the floor at the same time because I do have genuine concerns over Harden having less of the ball when he is again probably the best scorer in the league. What do you think their sort of crunch time lineup is going to be? I mean Westbrook, uh, Gordon, Tucker at what four or five? I don't know. I mean. I guess it depends on who they're playing. But. Right, so you'll, you, you'd either have Tucker at the four and Capella at the five, or against certain opponents you might put Tucker at the five and either bring in like a Daniel House or, yeah. or an Austin Rivers. But um, but yeah, it's uh, I don't love the depth on this team. I, I don't mind, you know, I, I like Austin Rivers. He's fine, but I'm not a huge fan of Daniel House. And as I said, the backup center position I don't, I'm not too fond of either. Uh, so, yeah, I, I, I agree with you that I don't think they're going to get off to such a disastrous start as they uh, as they did last season, but I also don't expect them to go on such a great run like they did during Harden's, what was it, uh, 30-plus game uh, run where he scored 30-plus. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. I mean, I don't think that they're like going to win the championship or anything, but I, I could see them just like right there, 55, 56, I think is possible. Um, that's why it's a fade for me. I'm not super confident. Like you said, there are always going to be the potential downsides with the Westbrook and and Harden match. All right, so the next team in the Western Conference, uh, based on Westgate's projections, is the Utah Jazz. They are projected for 54.5 wins, and uh, this is a team that obviously added uh, a few really uh, good pieces in Mike Conley, and uh, Bogdanovich, they lost favors in the process to get the cap space to sign Bogdanovich, but were able to to uh, sign Ed Davis to fill that backup center role. What are your thoughts on the Utah Jazz? The Jazz are an underfave for me. I like this team a lot. Um, you know, they have their starting lineup is going to be really solid. Conley, Mitchell, Bogdanovich, Ingles, Gobert, right? Um... Last year, I think 14th in offense, second in defense. So the defense I expect to be pretty solid right there. Top five for sure with Gobert, I think you can expect. Um, The offense, uh, I don't know. I mean, for them to hit 55, right, they're probably going to have to get into the top 10. I think that's reasonable, but at the same time, I'm not totally confident uh, in Connolly, you know, staying healthy the full year. He's had some injury issues in the past, um, flare-ups with the Achilles and whatnot. Uh, and they're just kind of relying on a lot of dudes that are a little older, you know. Nobody that's crazy old, but Connolly, 31, Ingles in his 30s, Bogdanovich, 30. Uh, and I don't love their bench guys, so this is more just like I can definitely see the over, but I think... Um, if, if, if you just expect Connolly to miss some games, this is going to be a, a slight under for me, I think. Okay, so another disagreement here. I have it as a slight over. I've got it as an over fade. Um, I, I see a top 10 offense as being more than reasonable. I, I expect it. 
you know, you talk about this team, they, they've got such a good offensive system under Quinn Snyder. They've consistently over the last couple of years created more open three-point looks than anybody in the league. And the issue was that they just didn't have anybody to knock down those shots. And this, the, the changes they made to this roster have fixed that issue. You know, Bogdanovich, an excellent three-point shooter. Mike Conley has turned himself into an excellent three-point shooter. You know, and you combine that with Ingles, Mitchell, even Royce O'Neal off the bench. They've got a ton of knockdown shooters now. And, you know, the, the, other, the other issue that, that Utah has had over the, the past couple of years is, you know, they've always underperformed their point differential. Last year they won 50 games, had 54 expected. Um, but you look at a guy like Mike Conley, who's such a steady hand at point guard, he was a guy that was consistently on those Memphis Grizzlies teams that year after year outperformed their point differential. Um, grinding. Yes. So, so I wouldn't necessarily expect Utah to start all of a sudden outperforming their point differential, but I think Conley might bring them that steady presence that they need to at least just hit their expected wins. And, and again, even last year, that would get them up to 54, which puts them right near that 54.5 number. And then you talk about just the additions that they, they made to this roster. I think Bogdanovich is such a better fit offensively than Favors ever was. Uh, so, so, yeah, I have this as an over. I have it as an overfade because uh, I understand that, that getting to the mid-50s and wins is not an easy task. Yeah, and another point in your favor, I think, like, we've seen this team get off to, like, really slow starts the past two years um, where they're I think two years ago they were like 10 games under 500 uh, right around January 1st and then last year I think they got off to a slow, slow start as well so if they don't get into one of those early holes I can like I can see it I can see this team being a really great um, you know regular season team maybe it's also that in my mind that I just I don't see them like winning the championship or something and a lot of the times you just think of a 55 or a 56 win team as like being in serious contention but um, I'm just I'm gonna stick to the under not super confident um, but there, there it is I think um, yeah it's... again like Connolly love that guy but we'll see some older dudes that are like I'm just, just concerned a bit. That's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I wouldn't be shocked if Denver and Utah, I mean, I have them projected to be the one, two seeds, the one and two seeds in the West, but I wouldn't be shocked if both of those teams aren't true title contenders when it's all said and done. Yeah, yeah, me neither. <laughs> um, so let's move on now to the Los Angeles Clippers. Of course, uh, the Clippers making the big acquisitions, acquiring uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. And then uh, also able to uh, to get Maurice Harkless, and uh, you know able to maintain pretty good depth. They were able to re-sign the likes of uh, of Jamichael Green as well. Uh, so this team's got depth. They've now got the star talent, but you've also got the issue of Paul George is going to miss some time at the beginning of the year, and Kawhi Leonard, of course, last year had the load management. He claimed in the the introductory press conference that he was fully healthy. So maybe. Maybe the load management won't happen this year, but uh, uh, what are your thoughts on uh, on the the new look Los Angeles Clippers, and in many people's eyes, the title favorite Los Angeles Clippers? Uh, well, I agree with that statement. I think that they are probably the title favorites, um, probably top to bottom, the best team in the league. Um, but I'm still going to go under on this. 
because of what you just said. Um, the load management, Kawhi missed 22 games last year, and he was, you know, noticeably in the playoffs, not 100%. Um, and then Paul George is going to be out until, what, mid to late November, I think is the word, right now. Um, so I, I think if we can, I think I don't think it's crazy to say that both of those guys could miss 20 games this year, uh, 15 to 20. Uh, and at that point, I mean, I'm just I just think that it's it's got to be under. It's it's too much of a risk, even though I think this team is going to be awesome. Yeah, it's uh, I, I'm in total agreement with you. I've got it as an under fade as well. Uh, it's one of the tougher calls I had to make. I mean, the the over-argument, obviously, would be they won 48 games last year and essentially upgraded Shea Gildas-Alexander and Danilo Gallinari to Paul George and Kawhi Leonard. And and as I said at the beginning, they also maintained pretty elite depth across the roster. Um, but the under-argument would be, you know, as I stated, the the their two best players potentially missing 20-plus games and also, you know, you've, you're probably going to have some growing pains from a chemistry perspective. And they only won 43 expected games. So, you know, based on their point differential, they actually got pretty lucky last year. Uh, so it would 54 would still be an 11-game improvement over what they were expected to win last year, and that would still put them at the under. Yeah, I mean, at full strength, I think this team is going to be, like, a terror <laughs> with the potential to be, like, one of the five best teams on both ends of the floor, pretty much. But uh, I just I'm concerned that they're not that they're going to be very conservative in their in their approach, um, and I think that's totally reasonable for them because um, they're trying to win the championship. Yeah, I uh, I also believe that they're the title favorites as of now, and and they obviously could can still make some moves. They've got their first round pick for next year that they can they can make in a trade. And they've got a ton of guys that uh, I think people value that are like eight, nine, or ten on their bench that uh, they could they could make an upgrade. So it'll be fascinating. I think an interesting one would be them making the same trade as the the Raptors did last year and getting Marcus Gasol. Oh wow! <laughs> He's on an expiring deal. Hey man, he's got the he's got the rapport with Kawhi. Why not? Yeah, that uh, I think that would upgrade their center position, which I think is probably the, the weakest spot on the roster. But but yeah, I agree. I think the regular season they're certainly going to be really good. I just don't think they're going to be a juggernaut. And and but uh, once they get to the playoffs, yeah, I think they're going to be really really difficult to deal with with their with their wing skill and defense. Uh, you know, a lineup of you know Patrick Beverly. Harkless, George, Leonard, and like your Michael Green at the fo- at the small ball five. That is just a devastatingly scary uh, defensive lineup. Yeah, good luck scoring. <laughs> yeah. All right, so now uh, we've got two left, and both of them are in the Eastern Conference. Uh, the the next one on the list is the Philadelphia 76ers. Westgate has them projected at 55 wins. And uh, I mentioned earlier the Raptors were my number one pick in terms of uh, uh, a bet to make. I had the Raptors an easy over. Uh, this is my second, the one I'm second most confident in, and I've got the Sixers as an underplay. I've got them more in the 50 range. I think they're going to be doing a lot in terms of, of resting Embiid and Horford. Uh, and, 
And I just can't see this offense getting much above league average. Yeah, this was this was a team that I was really tempted to pick the over initially, and I was just like, I, I can't do it. I, I went under as well. Um, like they should have when when everyone is healthy, they should have one of the top defenses in the league. I think no question, right? I mean Simmons, Richardson, Harris, Horford, and Bead as their just go to jumbo. Grind people into the dust lineup. I, I mean, yeah, as again, scary as you said, the as scary as you you claimed that Clippers defensive lineup would be, that one might even be scarier. Yeah, yeah, and I mean they were 14th last year in defensive rating, um, and so I think it's it's pretty reasonable to expect that to be top two, three, definitely top five, right? Yeah. Um, but yeah, the offense is is the big concern here, and. Well, in addition to Embiid's health, right, uh, which is always the overriding concern for the Sixers. Like, if Embiid misses 20-something games, then I'm just, you can't take the over on this. Um, But yeah, look, like, the Simmons jumper is always going to be a question, right? Does this team have enough spacing? They lost Butler, their, their crunch time guy. I mean, that was really huge for them at so many points last season. Um... I, I, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not confident in the offense. Uh, it, they finished eighth last year and lost Redick and and Butler. And now that they have, you know, they've got some redundancy with Horford and Embiid. Like I, it's I get the fit. It's possible, but not the most smooth necessarily. Um, and then the bench is still pretty thin. Your thoughts? Yeah, I mean. The we saw last year that Embiid broke down come postseason. That Raptors series, he was either dealing with an illness or a knee issue. He sat out a game in the first round against the Nets. Uh, so I think it's going to be a huge priority for Philadelphia this year to just make sure that Embiid, with his injury history, is healthy when it matters most. And also Horford. You know, Horford is in his mid-30s now. We even saw last year the Celtics giving him, you know, periodic rest throughout the season. So the the goal, if the Philadelphia's goal is to win a championship, they've got to make sure that those two guys in particular are healthy and right when it matters most. So yeah, it wouldn't shock me if those guys, even without dealing with uh, any particular injuries, still only play about 60 games each. And, and your comment about a, a crunch time score, you know, they... They gave that role to Butler last year, and he did it reasonably well. I, would, I wouldn't I would be shocked if this team underperforms their point differential, given that they just don't have any go-to options in the clutch. Yeah, I mean, the, the X factor, of course, as well, is, well, maybe Simmons just has some semblance of a jumper as a threat, right? Um, we've seen the videos lurking around, where he's taken a few threes over the summer. Of course, we have to wait and see that in game to see if any of that is real at all um but something to watch of course because if 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 he starts showing signs of that then we can think of this team i think a little differently um but until that happens i think uh, i think our analysis is is pretty reasonable yeah i mean ben falk had a really interesting point uh and he actually compared ben simmons to jason tatum and jason tatum took over 200 mid-range jumpers last season and shot it at 38%. And 
he essentially said, well, if Ben Simmons, you know, develops the jumper enough so that he's in the mid to high 30s in percentage, does that actually help or hurt the Sixers offense? And I would make the argument that it hurts. It hurts it. Yeah, yeah, I was referring more to uh, more to three-point range, but of course, that's baby steps, baby steps. <laughs> yeah, um, especially given that I think he's shooting with the wrong hand. Yeah, it would it would be uh, pretty shocking if he all of a sudden just becomes a, a you know go, goes from attempting zero threes to attempting multiple a game and knocking them down at an okay percentage. But uh, yeah, and and those. Uh, those pickup game highlights are always funny too because you know they they play for several hours and then these mixtapes are are about a minute long and obviously exactly. those are guys are yeah. going to look good in that situation. Yeah, it's like oh these are my these are my sick highlights for a minute. Of course, that's that's why they're called highlights. Yeah. <laughs> You're only going to show the shots that he made. Yep. But uh, yeah, so so we're both under. Are you under play on the Sixers as well? Uh, yes, yes. Okay, so uh, we're, we're finally to the last one, Jerry, and that is the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks, uh, with their Westgate projection at 58 after winning 60 games last year. This one, uh, another one that I think is a, is a pretty good line, one that I wouldn't, uh, wouldn't want to bet on. I've got it as an underfade. I've got them projected at around 57 wins, just below that 58 number. How about you? So my initial thought was that I... I wanted to pick them for the over. Like I, I, I could see a scenario where Giannis, my compatriot, is is better than last year. He's fantastic. Um, they were first in defensive rating last year, fourth in offensive rating. Like I could just I could see it. Even though, you know, they had the notable loss of, of Brogdon, I could see a scenario where it's like, okay, we have the main guy. And all that matters is we surround him with the right players and just go. This is an easy 60 wins, right? Uh, and they underperformed their point differential as well, I think, even though they won 60 games last year. Um, and a lot of, I think, a lot of their guys were playing just around the 30-minute mark. You know, I think Giannis led the team in minutes with 32.8 minutes, which is Spursy, right? It's, it's like the, the Spurs-esque minutes load. Um... So I was tempted, but I just don't know if any team, like if they're even going to have to win 58 games to get the one seed, right? That was the thing that was always, that was bugging me. Like if they're going to be playing everyone 31 minutes a game, 32 minutes a game, and they're still winning a lot of games, like, well, do they really need to push for 59? Do they need to push for 60? Uh, so this is, this is going to be, uh, this is an under for me, but only slight. I think like I could see them winning more than sixty, even though I don't think this team is as good as last year's team. Um, I could see Giannis being better. I could see them, uh, you know, getting to that sixty win mark, but I, I'm not confident in it because I don't think that they'll have to. Yeah, that's. Uh, I love that point. Uh, you know, last year the the Raptors pushed them. The Raptors winning fifty eight. Uh, so yeah, that forced the Bucks to. For home court advantage to get to 60 and yeah right now my projected number two seed in the east is the raptors with 52 wins so yeah that would definitely make it so that the bucks didn't have to push well beyond mid 50s uh and and yeah i think the brogdon downgrade is uh, is notable uh you know i i don't expect this team to get quite as good a production from the point guard position you know bledsoe was was uh, terrible in the postseason george hill is is 33 and 
Uh, don't be surprised if George Hill was really good last season with Milwaukee because he was on an expiring contract. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, he just got paid three years and I think close to $30 million. So wouldn't be shocked if you see a, uh, a bit of a, a downward trend in his production. Uh, but, but yeah, the, the elephant in the room is Giannis. You know, he could just take another crazy leap. Uh, every year we say, oh, he uh, needs to get that jumper for him to take a leap, and he takes a leap anyway. Uh, <laughs> the, there is a, there's a very real possibility that he just becomes that much better, and uh, this team is able to, to surpass or, or get close to what they did last season. The only other thing I'll mention uh, in, in, in favor of going on the underside of this argument is the last time Coach Bud had a 60-win team with the Atlanta Hawks back in 2015, the following year with still the, the vast majority of the roster intact, they won 48. 48, right? Yeah, yep. 48. Um, and they lost Amari Carroll, that's fair, but, you know, Milwaukee just lost Malcolm Brogdon. Um, so there is a real possibility that, um, you know, the Bucks could take a dip in, in, in regular season play just because that first year you're hearing a good coach, maybe you're really taking that to heart and really executing as much as possible. And then once that, uh, um, once that sort of new puppy sort of relationship fades, uh, that you, you, uh, you aren't quite as good. Maybe there is some of that inertia too, you know, where it's like this team was up 2-0, right? 2-0 in the uh, Eastern finals, almost 3-0. Yes. Um, you know, so how focused are they going to be every single game, day in, day out, right? Well, they want to get back to the point where they were at last year, uh, avenge that loss, make the finals, hopefully win the championship. Um, so that's another thing. There's always, there's always that to keep in mind. I don't know. That, that's, I mean, it depends how some of the guys are wired, too. Like, Giannis seems like he's just a, a maniac, so maybe it doesn't matter. But <laughs> um, always something to keep in mind, I think. Well, and again, even though I'm taking the under here, I, I still would probably suggest that they're the favorites to, to make it out of the Eastern Conference this year. I mean, I think the, 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 the Raptors last year were a really great opponent to deal with, a, a really great team, whereas I think the Eastern Conference at the top in particular has, uh, has gone down a little bit. I think Philadelphia and Milwaukee are my two favorites in the, in the Eastern Conference. I think that'll be a tough series. But uh, I, I certainly think, and as far as regular season goes, both of them will be a little bit worse than projected. I just wanted to mention a couple of my uh, final numbers here. I had 16 unders and 14 overs. I had 10 plays and 20 fades. And based on my win projections, I have uh, each team averaging around 42 wins. So I'm a little more optimistic because the number should come out to about 41 because every game has to have a winner and a loser. Uh, but uh, I think every year I'm a little bit more optimistic than uh, about the entire state of the league than I probably should be. I didn't have a, I didn't keep a final tally here. I'd have to I'd have to go back and look at it uh, or add it up. But I think we were pretty similar on most of our assessments. A few differences. Uh, I think particularly towards the end, towards the, the sort of top of the league. Jerry, this was uh, this was a heck of a lot of fun. Thanks so much for doing this. Yeah, man, this was definitely a lot of fun. Anytime, would love to be back on. Thanks so much for listening to Duncan Dynasty. 
Uh, if you'd like to support the show, you can uh, you can subscribe to the program on iTunes. If you can leave a, a rating and review, that would be greatly appreciated as well. Uh, the show is also now on Spotify. Uh, if you can uh, give the show a follow, again, a rating on there, uh, that uh, that really helps a lot. If uh, if you've got any uh, questions or comments or uh, or ideas for uh, for future episodes, uh, you can contact me uh, on Twitter at Garrett Bouguet, and also uh, my email is g bouguet at onu.edu. So uh, feel free to uh, to uh, give me any of your uh, ideas. I, I love to hear from uh, from the people listening to the program and uh, enjoy the next week of the NBA calendar and uh, have a great rest of your day. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Mobile phone companies say they offer home internet. But if their internet comes from a cell phone network, you should know. It's just phone internet, not home internet. Keep your home up to speed with Cox. Cox Internet is faster and has more reliable download speeds than 5G home internet. Cox is the real home internet you're looking for. Based on Cox analysis of UCLA speed test intelligence data, Q3 2022 and Cox serviceable areas, visit cox.com internet for details.